Good day, everybody, and welcome to the House of Mario, the South Australian Nintendo podcast that is backed by a 120 Power Star rating. I'm your host, Drew Agnew, and the doors to episode 196 are open. This week on the show, we're talking about Kazuya coming to Super Smash Bros. Ultimate and much more, I'm sure. To talk all about that is Bryce DeWitt. How you going, my friend? Yeah, good friend. Good friend. Good to have you back. Yes, yes. Week off. Didn't yeah. want to get you sick. No, I appreciate that. Mm, yeah, yeah. I can, get, I can get myself sick by myself. So. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Dead on. Dead, Dead on. Dead on. You definitely can. Mm, mm. That's how it works. I actually, I got my second COVID jab uh, last week. Yeah. How'd so, you go after that? Um, not too bad. I felt like a little bit like stiff and sore. To be honest, I, I quite often feel like that, but it's just I felt like a bit like, you know, when you're just about to get sick and like your, your hairs on your body feel like sore to touch. No, you, you, you don't understand that. Okay, well, someone out there who's listening to this might be like, yeah, I can relate to that. Well, that's how I felt, just like in the shower, like all my back and that felt like a bit achy and stuff. Right. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, it wasn't too bad the next day. So interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Because yeah. I know, I know. Was it was it Jade who? Oh, kind of, she, it yeah. ruined her. Yeah, her, her her arm was stuffed. Yeah, really, really sore. Stupid sore to touch for days. It was pretty bad. Yeah. Mm. yeah, that's no good. No, I'm um still going well, so I'm very thankful that I was able to get in. I know that the rest of Australia are in um more busy cities, unable unable to get it as easy. So very fortunate for that. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We're definitely one of the uh, luckier parts of this country. So what's uh, what's your last week been up to, Bryce? My last week has been up to nothing, really. Nothing really. No, just general busy- busyness. You know, just organising things, doing stuff, whatever. And um, yeah, obviously, I had like the Mario Golf review as well. That was uh, something that um, I pumped out last week. Yep. Um, it was good. I enjoyed it. Um, but I think it does have because obviously I didn't tune in on the show. Um, I don't think it has flaws. Uh, mostly in the motion controls. They are terrible. I haven't actually touched them. I've got no uh, interest. They're, they're <laughs> terrible. They're terrible. Like, you know, the thing is, is like they, they had the concept of Wii Sports, which is really basic and like, you're like, cool. Yeah. Pretty simple to uh, understand, whatever. But they make it way too over-advanced in golf to the point where it's unenjoyable. Like... You got the Skyward Sword adage of like, however you move that mo- that motion control is where that golf club is. Mm. So you have to line it up with the ball, and then you have to swing. But depending on where you hit it with the club, is how it's going to go in certain directions or whatever. And that's an absolute nightmare because the Joy Cons are not accurate. Right? Yeah. Like I I know that there's some people that have had decent success with it, but I've had none at all. No. No. Hated him. Yeah, because I know Wacko Jacko, he, he actually quite enjoyed playing with the motion control. So I'm mm-hmm. like, when I heard that, I'm like, oh, really? Oh, there you go. But yeah, I've just had no sort of uh, desire to play with the motion controls. I'm very happy just sitting there in my uh, chair, mm-hmm. enjoying life as it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. Yeah. So is it like we, we touched on Mario Golf a lot last week, but just as... um. Like your impressions go. You don't like the motion controls. Are you enjoying the rest of the game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. I think it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, it's better than what tennis was at launch. Definitely. Um, I still, I'm still not great about this uh, whole release it now, complete it later type of thing that they're doing with the sports games. Because once they're hot, they're hot and they're good and they're fun. 
Mm. But then they drop off and then you don't really have a desire to go back to them. It doesn't work like that with sports games. Yeah. Mario Tennis, by the time they got updates, we're like, we're over this. <laughs> we are gone. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. It's better better to just have more content in the base, you know. But oh, here we are. Here we are. Here we are. Well, I'm very thankful today, Bryce. You brought us Great Northern. Great Northern. Mid-strength to drink. Mm-hmm. Mid-strength. Yeah. yeah, Great Northern today. Something simple. Yeah, something simple. Uh, Bryce dropped mine on the way in, so. Oh, look, okay. Let's see if it doesn't. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, she foamed over. You're all right. Just suck it up, mate. Suck it up. <laughs> I really thought. Uh, Is it really a beer if it doesn't foam? Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's yeah. right. Now just wipe it on my pants too. See? <laughs> Beer brothers, mate. Just wearing it all over my crutch now. See, the thing is I opened it and I really kind of assumed that it was fo- it was going to be fine. But yeah. it wasn't going to froth everywhere. But now I'm just like... Oh, well, now you got beer on your pants. Now you can just you just look at my legs and you're like, Drew, are you happy to see me or what? You're a sodden alcoholic, mate. Mm. No, you're all right. You're all right. Yeah, I'm all right, mate. You're all right. It's only a bit of wet. You're fine. Yeah. Anyway, um, so we've got something interesting today. Um, yes, as uh, very embarrassing. If, well, if anybody was in the uh, <laughs> the chat beforehand, uh, before we started the show, my kids are actually watching tonight. Um, so, hello, kids. Hello, Evie. Hello, Arthur. Um, <laughs> they're they're watching a bit tonight just to sort of see it happen because they've never actually had that opportunity before. Um, so, we got to talking, and uh, Evie's like, "Oh, I want to be on the show. When I can, when can I be on the show?" And uh, Drew said, when you get a good report card, and then he goes, actually, I have a report card that's stuffed in my wee box that I hid in there. Yeah. So this this report <laughs> card, uh, 2007. 2007. The y- year the Wii came out, I got a mm. really bad report card. I did not mm. want to tell mum and dad. So I t- snuck it home and I put it in my Wii box, which mm. I still currently have in the, uh, the House of Mario set, which we record the podcast in. And I told Bryce about it and he's like... That was fantastic. He wants to read it. So, he went straight up, grabbed it out of the wee box, <laughs> and now we're going to read it live on the podcast and really embarrass me. You know, I'd like to think that I got better since Excuse 2007. You did, a, you did a whole episode where I was uh, non-cameraed and you had me as a goose. I deserve this. You, no, you do. You do. <laughs> See, I'm I'm all about just like, you know, I, I throw some shit at you. You throw some shit at me. It's a good fun. It's good banter. That's what friends do, Bryce. <laughs> so, you take my bloody year seven report card. I am. And right. you... you uh, Take me to town on the bloody podcast. All right. So, what we've got here, right? We have um, some... Uh, interesting sort of grading like th- this was the wild wild west of grading like our our generation because they wanted to change things up so now th- they all looked a bit weird yeah so here um oh, so just for context for americans too that or even victorians i don't mm. know in south australia uh year seven is still primary school so it's the last year of primary school before yeah. we move to high school yeah that's right yeah so year eight i got way better i learned my lesson definitely and i got a's all, all around very good <laughs> yes i'm sure um okay so the grades here we have are seldom sometimes usually and consistently and who boy <laughs> does drew have a lot of sometimes <laughs> Okay, so we've got uh, who I want to be and how I am in the world. Takes pride in work sometimes. Strives to improve and displays perseverance sometimes. Attempts new and challenging tasks sometimes. Uh, this is the equivalent of getting like a D, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> displays resilience sometimes. Uh, identity, who am I? Works independently sometimes. I'll say it's a C, to be fair. I'll go A, B, C, D. 
Okay, all right. It's a C. Hey, I'm it's satisfactory. A- C for satisfactory. Sat- no, because it's sometimes satisfactory would be usually. I mean, I mean, if I, if I was grading myself, at least he does it sometimes. <laughs> uh, punctual for school and lessons, usually. Oh, fuck yeah. Uh, organized for <laughs> lessons, sometimes. Takes responsibility for own possessions, sometimes. That's a surprise, considering this big wall behind us. Um, accepts consequences for his own actions, sometimes. <laughs> the amoeba, was that what you... <laughs> is responsible with home communication what a surprise seldom <laughs> as as noted by the fact he hid this report card in his wee box um contributes to class discussions sometimes hey i'm shy leave me alone yeah that's fine leave like, me alone. i can i can understand that uh follows directions and instructions sometimes mm. uh independence where i where and how i fit in with others assistance sort when needed sometimes observe school marbles code god i remember oh, that the fucking marbles code was the like manners code. attitude respect respect um doesn't matter behavior yeah who cares little elbow sheep i don't know um observe mm. school marbles code sometimes courteous and considerate sometimes interacts positive uh, positively with peers sometimes oh that's that's bullshit I, <laughs> what, if, what is that supposed to mean i'm just like every now and again i'm like no nah, fuck these other kids <laughs> <laughs> cooperates positively with others sometimes uh, how i understand the world concentrates on tasks sometimes completes homework sometimes and oh. completes tasks within their set time frame sometimes and then we have key co- uh, competencies uh, kc1 gathering information developing <laughs> communicating ideas developing planning and organizing established yeah working with others in, t- in teams developing <laughs> using mathematical ideas developing we all suck at math it's fine uh solving <laughs> problems developing and using technology established i would want to hope so otherwise the podcast would be in big trouble um <laughs> Compl- uh, components of English, reading and writing, partial and uh, attitude, uh, sorry, achievement, partial, attitude, inconsistent, uh, writing, partial, inconsistent attitude. And then the same thing again for listening and drew, uh, uh, lis- listening and speaking. Um, did you want me to read the comments? Oh, yeah. The comments are the best bit. Oh, that's, the, that's the personal man. bit. Read the comments by right. the teacher. Holy shit. Now, I, I want to... I'm, I'm going to say this. Dwight, from from here on, it seems relatively about the same, which is partial and inconsistent on something. So, I'm just going to read some of the comments. So, at right. the end of the day, ladies and gentlemen, I just do things sometimes. Mm, that's right. Um, I don't eat all the time. I eat sometimes. So, comments. Uh, Drew approaches literacy with a negative headset. I think you mean mindset. This teacher doesn't even know... <laughs> With a headset. I've just got this headset a on. A negative headset. It's like reversed. Um, he needs assistance and encouragement. That is... No, sorry. That is so ironic. Yeah. That's amazing. I'd, yeah. Yeah. I was Like, when I was a kid, and even still now, um, I'd, I assume it's kind of obvious to some extent, but, like, I, I really struggled with just literacy, whether it's spelling, reading, and all that. Yeah. And over high school, I, I got to the point where it's just like, it's it's... It's good enough. Yeah. And to the point also where I enjoy writing and all this type of thing. But like back then, I found it really hard. And just like these teachers, you know, they were okay, but they didn't help me that much. No. (laughs) Which is- And then they say negative headset. (laughs) Yeah, negative. Because I wasn't a- Because I would have been in like a negative place with it. Because I'm like, I suck at this shit. Yeah, 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 of course. So I can relate. Um, 
Yeah, you can definitely relate to yourself. Okay, um, yeah, I can relate to the comments made about myself. <laughs> he needs assistance and encouragement to begin writing and struggles to complete tasks in the required period. I did too, so that's fine. Mm-hmm. In addition, Drew's spelling uh, is becoming an issue. Oh, yeah, that's right. You, you you just commented on that. His lack of interest and care causes many errors on a page and leads to disengagement with the task. See, that that's not, you know, that that's a bit harsh, realistically. It's it's not that his lack of interest or care did it. It's just that he, you weren't you weren't developing at the time, and I think that's fair. I don't think it's because you didn't care or anything like that per se. I cared. It embarrassed me. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. You didn't want to be embarrassed. Uh, More careful editing and care would increase Drew's success. Drew does not seem to enjoy reading. Neither did I. Really? Like after like, apart from um, in high school when we uh, read uh, Lord of the Flies and uh, The Odyssey. I enjoyed reading those two books. They were really good. But the teacher, the history teacher was like I had, he was, bomb at making it look awesome mm. so um I, I it actually pushed me to read those books uh mathematics uh drew lacks confidence in maths and subsequent and and consequently uh, consequently finds the subject difficult while drew was able to master addition <laughs> subtraction and basic two-digit multiplication and simple division he struggled to get past this level to be fair <laughs> it's becoming a review <laughs> <laughs> report review I'm not going to read the whole thing, right? Um, to be fair, I actually struggled with this going into high school because I went to Millicent High School and they did nothing but revert on the education of some of these basics and it actually stuffed me up in mass for life after that because I went to Tennyson and they were doing a whole year of like algebra and stuff like that and I could not comprehend it after that because they were already at an advanced level. Mm. Like, So I got stuffed up on mass for life on that. It was terrible. Yeah, I, I could not. I could not grasp the concept at all. Because, like, throughout primary school, I was always in, you know, the uh, the bonus class where like the three people that were like really struggling with a certain subject go to to like do it. And I was always in one of them, and in high school, I was in another one. Yeah, in year eight. But that uh, that lady, she wasn't a teacher, but she like um volunteered her time to come in. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And that's when it that's when it like it started to really click. She just had a way of being able to teach it to me. Yep. Just like all the grammar stuff and um spelling and all that. And it's just in a way it clicked. Yeah. So yeah. I'm really appreciative to her. And sometimes she comes in the pub and like I'm like I, t- I told her one night I looked back on her, I'm like I-, I thanked her very much yeah, for what she good, what man. she did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, your science and art was good, though. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, it says, uh, I mean, satisfactory is oh, fuck. <laughs> good for this. That's as good as I'll get. Uh, it says, Drew is often a spectator in science, not contributing in a large way to any class, but you're able to make a procedural recount, which is good. Um, the arts has positive comments, but it's still satisfactory for some reason. Uh, Drew loves to draw, always having a scrap of piece of paper to scroll on. Uh Though then then they go. He rarely puts any color into his work or true effort into these pictures. That's just fucking rude. <laughs> that is just rude. <laughs> that is rude. Everybody has a different skill set, man. Like you can't all be because like if if you're in class and you're just like doodling and like drawing, yeah, and you're putting ideas to to paper. paper. Yeah. How many times are you actually going to color that in? Yeah, that's right. You're only sort of just scrolling, right? Unless you're actually like doing like a proper drawing. Mm-hmm. But anyway. Uh, design and technology was a subject to be taught in terms three and four. So you got nothing there. 
Um, Thank God for that. Society Environment has said uh, Drew works slowly through the life-saving project at times struggling to research and relying solely on the internet for resources. Probably because the internet is where the whole resources are going. Yeah, so the resources were obviously the internet. The internet wasn't what it is now. Yeah, but even so, like, you but know. But, like, the other one was just a school library. Yeah, and the school library is only so, yeah, it's only limited. What's that, like, three books? Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, something like that. And as we've established here, I can't read. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. No, I could read. But. Um. Satisfactory in uh, health and physical education. Drew can work well with a partner in small groups and PE lessons and has shown improvement in his performances since the start of the year. So, very good job. Uh, To class teachers' overall comment, uh, Drew has made significant improvements since the beginning of the the year. His attitude improving, he is loosing less marbles for behaviour. This is ridiculous. (laughs) Loosing less marbles for behaviour? However, he is still prone for silly slip-ups such as swearing, (laughs) answering back and interfering with others' property. Whose property were you buggering around with, Drew? Um, I don't know. It would be pleasing to see Drew's work ethic increase as he's currently only producing the minimum amount. Drew needs to improve on bringing his diary signed to school and having all notes brought back to school How how bad was that? You've got to get your diary signed every day. Stupid. God, it was annoying. I'm like, taught, I it, taught, it taught nothing. I, I, th- I think the, their intent was to teach routine, but you literally learn routine from the moment you are born. Like, you start learning routine, right? Like, your bedtimes and stuff like that. You don't need to get a diary signed to teach you what a routine just, is. Just it's like, just annoying. That panic in the morning as you're like, oh, I didn't get my diary signed. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's like, what? Yeah, it just, it all it did was teach panic. Um, and then it says, student reflection. I've improved in keeping my marbles this year. I like fitness, ICT, and health. There you go. Hell yeah. That's what I said. Hell yeah. Yeah, that's what he said. So, yeah, that was an interesting report card. You're right. Um, if I if I had shown that to, to my parents, I would have had my Wii taken off me. So, luckily, luckily you hid it in the box when they weren't going to find it. Yeah. And I think I can say that this was my worst report card ever. My other ones, I did show my parents. Yeah, yeah. And okay. in, in high school, like a year around, te- around year 10, um, you know, I I tried really hard at um, English. I was getting Bs consistently. Year 12, I ended up with a B in English. And I think from that point, that was a, a huge sort of improvement on that. Yeah. Which is good, man. That's yeah. good. Yeah. So. Push it forward. Well, thanks, man. Good job, man. So there you go. That was a. He got better. He was playing too much Wii. That's the problem. And that's why he hit it in the Wii box. <laughs> Yeah, because my Wii box was just like above my bed. So I think I got home, I got my school bag out, and I was like panicking. Like, Where can I put this thing? So I just like <laughs> slid it into my box and it just stayed in there ever since. Oh, wow. There you go. Well, you better hope your mum doesn't watch this. She'll have you. So that's a funny thing. Like, we've all got little different bits of nostalgia for certain systems. And like the Wii will always be like. Oh, it'll always be your big one for sure. Be like a big one for like just like the games, obviously, being Twilight Princess, WarioWare, Strikers, Wii Sports. Like, there's. Just a multiple amount of games would have fantastic, but just like these small memories, you know, whether it's opening it up at Christmas time or, you know, like I've got with hiding my report card in the box, and that's like my secret location for this thing I don't want my parents to find. Mm-hmm. It's just um, it's really cool. Oh, yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, very cool. So, anything else you'd like to touch on Murray Golf before we get into the new Smash Brothers character? Nah, not really. Okay. Like I, I think I think you guys would have covered it plenty in extent last week. Um, it was good. Yeah, I'm. I'm like. I'm. I'm happy to have a golf game back. Um, I think. 
Mario Tennis is a very over overcompensated for small, uh, sport in the Mario games, so it was good to see a Mario golf game come back that wasn't tennis. Um, I'm seeing a lot now that now that golf's been kind of successful. I'd say probably it's it's been more successful than tennis straight out the box. Actually, seems like it. It yeah. looks like it. And I mean, there's a lot more switches out there. Yeah, that's right. I yeah. guess, but I think people are just more excited for it in general. Yeah, because it's not something that comes around as often as tennis. Um, but you know what? On top of that as well, like uh, you're seeing a lot of people now that are also sort of commenting about the same sports games that I love from Mario. They're like, I'll oh, bring these back, like Hoops 3 on 3 and Strikers. And, you know, um, oh, hopefully that shows Nintendo that, uh, hey, tennis isn't the only one. You keep leaving these other ones behind yeah. and you're missing opportunities because people do want these. I think, honestly, I've been thinking about this. I think tennis just came around a lot more because... Like golf is harder to make. It's got bigger environments, so it just takes a bit more to develop. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's just what it seems like. Because we haven't had a mar- I would call bullshit on it personally. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that they said that, but it's just the thought I had. Tennis is tennis is obviously stupidly simple to make, but at the same time, like it, it, it those those the courses are not that advanced. No, that they, no, definitely not. Yeah. Like, yeah, and assuming as such is kind of like a moot point. They could definitely pull off plenty. They could make a fucking Legend of Golf Breath of the Wild if they wanted to, and it would have been out by now. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was just like a devil's advocate thing I was thinking in my head. But, um, yeah, we haven't had a Mario Golf game since the GameCube. Mm. Toadstool Tour, so it's been a long time on, on, on consoles. Yeah, that's right. I had one on 3DS in 2014. but Yeah, but even then, that was still seven years ago now. That's crazy. Mm. That's a long time. A long time ago. And then they put tennis on the Wii U and it was shit. There you go. That was really bad on the Wii U, wasn't it? It was really bad on the Wii U, yeah. It was in a, it was in a Scott's trilogy of um, terrible Nintendo games for that era, which was like Chibi Robo Ziplash, Mario Tennis Ultra Smash. What was the last one? Oh, uh, Animal Crossing Amiibo Festival. Oh, banger. Mm, That's the yeah. game I bought for ten bucks with the amiibo and uh, got <laughs> home got and the, the game in there. Yeah, the disc wasn't in the case. I'm like, well, I actually don't care. I never went back. You should have. You should have. You never know. Might yeah, but the thing is, I don't go down there. I'm not going to go down there. To be like, oh, I didn't get the disc and go back. Don't know. I don't. I don't care. It's all good. <laughs> so, Bryce, let's talk about Kazuya and Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, brand new character in the DLC. Mm. Very exciting. Mm. So, Bryce, you haven't played him yet. You, uh, you've you've been keeping away from Smash. You've uh, put on the nicotine patch. Like, I can't play Smash Brothers. It's uh, too much of an addiction. Got to keep away. Mm. So, good luck with that, my friend. Mm-hmm. But I've, uh, I've been playing him over the last last week. And <laughs> just watch you take a sip of beer and just uh, get it everywhere. Yep. Um, but when they first announced him at E3, I was like, yeah. It's cool Tekken's there. It's cool that Bandai Namco's got another representative in Super Smash Brothers. Considering I should work on the game. Yeah, they pretty much make the game <laughs> as contractors for Nintendo. So mm-hmm. it's uh, very good that they get uh, another representative in there. But not, I'm not into the Tekken series at all. I think it's cool. I respect it. But I've personally never got into Tekken. But seeing him in here, I'm like, cool. Looking forward to giving him a go. At this point, I don't really care what characters are in Smash. All I, do, all I want is a fun character to play. Mm-hmm. And I've got to say, getting into the first match with him and just pressing A, I'm like, okay, I think Kazuya is actually my favorite character from a fighting game in Smash. All right. There you go. 
over Ryu and the rest of them. Uh, mainly just because his like combo potential is really good. I know the others have really good combo potential as well, but just the way he works is like when um, you hold in A, he just does like a, a flurry of attacks, and that just like works into a combo, and it doesn't actually knock them back much. It just gives them damage. So how it works in Smash Brothers is if they're at low percentage, you can like say do a combo. You might get a throw, throw them down and do combinations with your smash attacks and that from there before you actually try and knock them off. Um, but this one, even if they're at a high percentage, you're actually able to still add on percentage with them without knocking them back, which is really handy. And just like another, like a multiple of attacks as well. Um, down B, you do it like a grab where you jump in the air and smash them down. And when you're doing those grabs, it actually changes the camera angles similar to what they would be in, say, Tekken 7 or another one of the Tekken games. It just gives it like a real cinematic like finisher move, even though it's just like a, a normal down B. It's really cool. I like I I actually haven't watched um, the Sakurai Presents yet. I watched it for about twenty minutes before the podcast. I actually hadn't watched it yet. So, oh shit! I better try and catch up with it. Um, so when I went into the actual character, I didn't know anything about it. I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, um, it's a it's Kazuya. He's from Tekken. He punches and kick punches and kicks. <laughs> Didn't know any of the nuance or anything, mm-hmm. but just uh, if plays really well, I absolutely love it. And uh, once you get over a hundred percent on your um, percentage, you actually—I forgot the name of the ability. Tekken fans, don't kick me in the teeth. <laughs> but he basically he glows red, and all of his attacks do—I think it's one point one damage. So it does like a little bit more damage than it usually would, but it makes some of these moves a little bit different. So if you do down B. Does the same grab move where he jumps up and slams into the ground, but it's um like it's basically a different move. It does a lot more and has more smash potential. All right, cool. And um, also like he's a B, which is basically like a big laser. Does a lot more as well. He's just like a really really great character. And I think honestly, like Byleth would be one of my favorites out of like all the Smash DLC characters. Piranha Plant, I really like using Piranha Plant. I think is a lot of fun. And Kazia, I'm super surprised. Just from the nature of what genre he's from and what the other fighting game characters have been, but really, really good character. I think I'm going to put him under my belt. Because oh, okay, I, cool. I didn't, I didn't put a, I didn't put um, Steve from Minecraft under my belt. Didn't put um, Terry, for example. I think Terry's really good. I think I actually would enjoy Terry if I played it a bit more. Um, I don't think I gave Terry. I love Terry. I, I know, I know you love Terry. Um, I don't think I put as much time into Terry as I probably should have to learn his combinations and that. Um, but that's, that's what I appreciate about Kazuya as well. Like, for example, Ryu, they took a lot of elements out of Street Fighter where you can do certain combinations from the actual Street Fighter game and it will make a more stronger attack for yeah. the Hajduken and stuff. Yeah. And that's, that, that's cool. That's a really n- neat idea to bring across from Street Fighter because that is what Street Fighter is about. It's about those, oh, yeah. those button it's combinations. that embodied, yeah. Unless you're like me and you play it on 3DS and you just press the bottom touch screen and it automatically does it for you. It's very handy. I appreciated that in yeah. Street Fighter 4 and 3DS. Mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Doesn't learn anything. Just a Hadouken, Hadouken, Hadouken. Hadouken. It's just as easy as pressing B in Smash Brothers. Mm-hmm. That is. But with uh, with uh, this character, um, his combo potential is it matches Smash Brothers to just like a T. Because Smash Brothers, especially Ultimate, is all about pulling off those combos, not letting your uh, opponent basically um, gain ground and be able to get out of that combo. Whereas Kazuya, with all of these different moves, whether it's just like the A, where you're just uh, getting a damage on him or giving him a grab, throwing him to the ground, 
whatever. There's just like so many attacks. There's like uh, in, in Smash Brothers, there's you've got your smash attacks, your tilt attacks, where you just move the stick a little bit to the left, right, up or down and does a different move to what the smash attack would be. But Kazuya, he's also got uh, directional moves as well. So if you hold it like uh, to the left and right on an angle, do a different attack. Then same for all the different angles on the control stick as well. Mm-hmm. So it's just got so many different kicks and moves, uh, which I have not mastered whatsoever. I'm very newbie. I can't say I'm good with him, but uh, playing playing through it, I thought he's an absolutely tremendous character. That's good. I'm looking forward to playing him more. I really am. Yeah. yeah. And um, same with Byleth. Like I love Byleth, but if I was playing like a person, say you or someone else, I don't know if I'll go any good with them necessarily if i was like all right i've got to i've got to beat bryce otherwise the world's going to explode don't know if i'll pick byla for Kazia or one of these dlc characters i'll probably stick with like mario or pit or someone i'm very familiar with mm-hmm. but yeah man really looking looking forward to the future with Kazia, and it's an absolutely excellent addition to smash brothers i'm glad that tekken has been introduced in there even though i'm not like oh where's my tekken character <laughs> <laughs> why isn't haichi why isn't Haichi? Why isn't there any Heihachi? Hichi. Heihachi. <laughs> yeah, because um, he was in a was it a PlayStation Battle Royale? PlayStation All Stars Battle Royale. Jesus, how do you forget that name? It's a long name. <laughs> it is a long name. Still, I'm surprised you forgot it. I forgot it for a second, my friend. Mm, I remembered it. I should fire that game up. Play as Cat from Gravity Rush. And pretend it's Smash Brothers Ultimate and pretend it's a perfect world. <laughs> Every soul contains a whisper of copyright. Yeah. Uh, that was an okay game. I enjoyed it. An okay game. So do you have any sort of questions for um, the conversation? For Kazia? Does, does it keep your shorts tight? <laughs> uh, it sort of fluctuates. It get, they get baggy, <laughs> tight, baggy, tight. Yeah, as I'm All playing. Right. Cool. Depending yeah. on the mood, so... Um, I mean, I'm keen to play him. I played a lot of Tekken as a kid. Um, so I'm keen to play him. I just haven't. I, it, it's completely slipped my mind that he came out, I guess. Like I'd, I knew he was coming. I knew that the presents was up this week or whatever. And then I'm kind of just like, yep. And I read the release date. I'm like, oh, he's actually releasing like today or tomorrow. Cool. I'm like, all right, I'll just keep that in the back of my mind and I'll get around to it eventually. And then I just never did. So, um, but yeah, no, no, the more I keep reminding myself, I will just pick up my Switch one of these days and go, all right, time to play. <laughs> one of these days. Who knows? Might one be tomorrow, might be never. Who knows? Yeah, it might be, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, like with the with the Skyward Sword coming up, I'll probably do it before then, I suppose. Yep. Yeah, yeah excellent. No, very cool character. Um, so I just want to touch on the Sek- Sakurai Presents as well. Just from the first 20 minutes I watched, I haven't finished the full thing yet. Yep. But just like the introduction, like... I. We've said this every single like DLC introduction, but I want every game to have as much detail and in-depth discussion uh, as Sakurai does about Super Smash Brothers and the new characters. Just going in-depth mm. about the Tekken series and how it is bringing Kazuya to Super Smash Brothers. And what I found like a really interesting point was he was talking about the game design of Tekken and how he how he sort of had to change the whole design of what that character does in Tekken and bring it to Super Smash Brothers. Being like Tekken is a game about like, like, like say combos in that game and mm-hmm. bring it down a health bar and all that and bring it into Super Smash Brothers. It's a much different game about positioning on the actual, on the screen where yeah. it's 
like with a horizontal sort of thing and it just completely changes what that character can do and there's a lot more thought that goes into it instead of just like oh bring that character and he kicks some punches and uh, that's it i mean that's pretty obvious but there's so much detail that it has to be considered to bring these characters over and um like obviously a lot of games there's that much thought that goes into them but we never find it out and as someone who's really into the series i think it's actually awesome that we have this sort of outlet to find that out yeah absolutely I know some people might look at a 40-minute presentation on a DLC character and be like, all right, fucking calm down, boys. We don't, we don't care, but I I certainly do, even for like... I think it shows care and compassion for these things. Mm. I think that's what it does, and that's why it's important and why, you know, 40 minutes doesn't seem like such a big deal in the long prospect of it, right? Um, because a lot of these characters that Sakurai does put in, he has... Has sort of a passion for him, I guess. Like uh, Terry, Terry was probably the biggest one. That was yeah, that was the highlight because we're like, I got no idea about Streets of Rage. I've barely even heard of it. You yeah. know what I mean? No. Yeah. And uh, when he just sort of describes the series, where it came from, what systems it was on, Fatal Fury, yeah. Mm. Like, oh yeah, of course, yeah, Streets of Rage, completely different series. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, no, he. Um, you know that that was that was big. Like I knew about the series well enough, but I, I know jack shit about the characters. So I was sort of mm-hmm. like, well, cool. And like with with most fighting games, you know, the, the characters do have like their untold, but it is definitely their story for every single one. And like Kazuya is no different, for example. Um. So you know when when he sort of went into Terry, he's just like, I love Terry Bogard, and he's like sort of like you know really explaining it down to the deep bits. He fuck. Loves that character so much. <laughs> and it was really special to see, you know. And that's no different. Um, there's a reason he he is the lead developer of a fighting game. Like, he loves fighting games. And that's quite obvious. And, mm. like, you know, I haven't watched the presentations either. But uh, the presentation for Kazuya either. But I would imagine it's probably filled with just as much passion and love as it was for, you know, um, Terry as well. Um, and I think... You know, Tekken representation was sort of an in, in an important space because it's just as popular as Street Fighter, really. Mm. You know, it's a it's a very popular series, and I'm glad to see it. Yeah, we never got that Tekken cross Street Fighter though, which is no, we got Street Fighter cross Tekken, but not <laughs> yeah. Tekken cross Street Fighter, which is a shame because like that was a cool crossover, and the concept of having the two was a uh, you know very interesting as a duo project. We got it now though. In Smash Brothers. That's right. With one character each. <laughs> oh, one character and two characters, actually. Street yeah. Fighter Cross Tekken, which was really good, by the way. Like, that was a really good game, actually. Mm. Yeah. 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 And uh, also announced in that presentation, which we were talking about, we've got some new Mii costumes, which is, you know, Mii costumes are cool uh, It's in some respect. Um, I, I really like the Cuphead one, which actually looks like Cuphead, but all of them which actually look like Mii's are a bit whatever. But so we got we got Lloyd from the Tales series. We got Dante from Devil May Cry, which they referenced a meme about it. Yes, which I really appreciate. Yep. Featuring Dante from Devil May Cry, got yep. it slapped on the Super Smash Brothers box. Yes, it did. Yep. It's covering Mario. We got Shantae from the Shantae series, which uh, includes a music track as well. And I know this one. A lot of people were really sort of hoping that Shantae was going to be a DLC character, and it's funny, just like whenever these me costumes get announced, it's like 
oh no, let's just dash their chances of uh, it's done getting, it. yeah. getting in there. But we've got one spot left. And do we think that it's going to be Shantae? I'll probably say no. So, yeah, at least we got a mean costume. I think it. A lot of a lot of cool people enough. a lot of people think that there's a cycle to it because the last two fighter passes, if you include Piranha Plant, have been the exact same. Mm. Mm. It's really strange with six, with six um, characters. Yeah, in. that's yeah. what I mean. Yeah, like they had um, like you know the first character was like a okay then character, and then the next <laughs> character, which at like if you line it up as Joker and. Uh, Minecraft Steve um, they were like whoa holy shit how did that happen and then you got the next of like fan demanded character and then you know sort of like going on throughout the whatever and it's come to this point and they reckon that the last character will be a promotional character and will be the protagonist from SMT4 yeah right that's what yeah, that's that what sense. that's what people seem to think because like that it is lined up perfectly um, I'm not sure if that's really true to be honest, like I, I really think they're going to send this off with a bang. I don't think it's going to be that light. Like, I, like I wouldn't be surprised if I saw Master Chief or you know something like that at the end of it. Like that would not surprise me whatsoever. Um, but we'll see. I suppose could yeah. just be another Nintendo character. Yeah, we don't know. I'd love to see it as another Fire Emblem character. I just, I just want to watch the world burn. <laughs> <laughs> and they can just give us Ferdinand. Uh, uh, so I'm just like, I'm Ferdinand von Iger. Like every two seconds. Fucking hell. <laughs> I am Ferdinand von Iger. I'm Ferdinand von Iger. Every attack. I'm Ferdinand von Iger. Just whatever the character is, make it memeable. Please. Yeah. I'm sure it'll be memeable for sure. <laughs> um, and in the uh, 12.0 update as well, there's a bunch of uh, just patches for all of the characters balancing patches yep uh, nothing too exciting but your favorite character the smash attack may have been increased or decreased uh, <laughs> i i do i do want to say actually somebody drew up a comic um a comic that's like a couple pages long of like a, a an in-between between uh kazuya and um incineral i don't know if you've caught that floating around on twitter no that's great that's great i'll have to find it it's great <laughs> I'll find it for is you. Is it just after. a fa- fairy Kazuya? Is that what it is? No, no, no. Um, it's uh, like a um, like a uh, it's like a comic, like revolved around the fact that Kazuya chucked everybody into a volcano. Um, mm. but uh, it's got an interesting like it, it's got an interesting twist in it. It's funny, like it's meant to be com- you know, like comedic in general. I'll, I'll I'll find it for you. I don't, I can't remember exactly where it is, but I'll find it. Right. Right. you do that. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Yeah, so really happy with Smash Brothers. I'm looking forward to seeing the next character later in the year. And I was thinking this as well, just with the next character, it's going to be the very last character. That's confirmed. No more DLC passes, no more characters, no more updates apart from balancing patches here and there as the game continues on. But it is kind of sad that this next one will be the very last character. I've gotten really accustomed and really enjoy just new updates, new characters, all that coming to Super Smash Brothers. Just whether it's an E3 or a Direct, I think it's uh, really awesome just it opening up with um, brand new Smash content. Uh, obviously, Smash is one of my favorite games, so I guess that is why I enjoy that. But <laughs> someone who's uh, not into Smash as much, like, oh, thank God it's over. But, yeah, it's going to be kind of sad, but it's, it is going to be over. It's been two yeah. years of Smash updates. Has been, yeah. It'll be almost three years by the time we get this uh, last character. So, yeah, looking forward to what it's going to be. And 
when uh, the next character comes out, I want to do like a, a big look back at Super Smash Brothers Ultimate from like pre-launch and what it's all done and that. It's going to be a fun, think, com- fun conversation, I think. Yeah. The only thing I wish that would happen before they cap it all off and like finish it all off is if, if they manage to, you know, maybe like fix the net code a bit. That'd be good. Yeah, that'd be, that'd, nice. that'd be the one thing they could do to top it off, and then we could definitely say it's the ultimate Smash Bros. game. But I think like that's the problem is at the moment development's all been all tied up, tied up with these DLC characters. I think that's the thing, you know. Mm. So maybe they just haven't had the time to like because it's a complicated issue. It's not it's not a simple issue to fix. Quite obviously, maybe they can go back and fix it, but because they've been so busy actually developing content for the game, it's been. Yeah, because after Difficult. launch, we got a couple of modes that were missing. We got home run contests and the stage yeah, builder right. and yeah. That, yeah. that type of stuff sort of eked out. But since the uh, DLC pack sort of started, we haven't seen any of that. And there are a couple of things that I'm missing still. Like, mm. But regardless, it's all good. Mm. Mm. All right. So apart from that, I've been playing <laughs> a small game called Lego Builder's Journey. Uh, Buddy Watson actually recommended this last episode when we did the um, Red Queen recommendations and... I'm like, oh, right. So I had a look at it. I'm like, this looks really cool. It's like it's a puzzle game set in the Lego world. I don't know if you've played Monu- Monument Valley on um, iPad and iOS. No. Um, another game you could sort of put it to. Buddy said it looks a bit like it had the uh, camera angle of um, Captain Toad levels from 3D World. Had sort of that perspective. You've got like a level just like on a cube basically and you've got to move from one location to another on this uh, on this like Lego level. There's not too much to it. You can you see like all these parts around. You've got to put the parts like where they're meant to go so you can proceed the, the little Lego person to go and catch up to his friend. All right. And each tile, you got these uh, orange tiles that you can place down and then he takes a step on it. You place another one, he takes a step on it. And it's, it works its way there. And the mechanics change up a bit from the level uh, I just passed. There's a like a rollerblading section where you've got to put the track down and it goes to the level, goes to the next level. Like it's very basic. It is very much like Monument Valley or Captain Toad without all the collectibles throughout the level. It's really enjoyable. I'm playing on Apple Arcade on iPad and um, iOS. Mm. Uh, it's on Switch for 30 bucks. I think for 30 bucks, it's like a little bit much. It's a pretty short game. Uh, so I think it's a little bit much. But if you're interested in this game, I know like a lot of people actually said that they were interested in playing it. Buddy's like, I'm waiting until it comes to PlayStation. I'm like, it's such a weird game to sit down on your PlayStation, on your TV and play. I can't imagine me being like booting up the PlayStation yep. and playing that. But on, on my phone, it was perfect. Just I was in the doctor's office and it was the day after we, we uh, recorded the podcast. I'm like, well, yep, perfect time to boot it up. And it made time go really quick, really enjoyed it. It'd be great to play on Switch with actual controls. Didn't have my Xbox One controller with me at the doctor's office. Of course. Funnily enough. Mm-hmm. But it, I reckon it'd be a lot better actually on a controller. Because I found myself like trying to pick up the pieces. Then you've got to use like the two fingers to like rotate the level and stuff instead of just like, you know, just one finger because that will interact with the Lego pieces. So that sort of frustrated me a little bit. I'm like, if I just had the controller and I could use the stick to swing the level around and bring my cursor and press the A button and be, yeah, just be easier. But yeah. 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 Fair no, enough. Great game. Add it to your wish list if you're interested in playing it. If that floats your fancy. There you go. Floats your boat. Moats your boat. Boat flight. Boat flight. Mm. Yeah. All right, Ross. Uh, been talking about some games. Let's talk about some news for those video games, eh? All right, mate. All right. Well, let's just do that. Woohoo! Yeah! Is that all? I fight for my friends. My body is still 
pretty light week of news this week, Bryce, but there's some interesting tidbits out there. So let's talk about this. So this is just a bit of information for about Mario plus Rabbids Sparks of Hope. And it's just a few little tidbits that I'm pulling from Nintendo Enthusiast. The basic gist of it is that a lot more development resources are going into this game uh, for the sequel. Uh, basically, the uh, development team has upped their uh, capacity from 100 people to 300 people. Oh. So expect this game to be like a pretty banger sequel just from the amount of resources they're putting into it. It's pretty, actually pretty exciting. The reception's been really positive for it, which has probably mm. helped it too. Yeah. I think like, and I mean, I said this on the on the E3 podcast, but like, you know, it is very deserved and David Soliani, like he he deserves this this second round, you yeah. know? So that's good, man. Like I'm, I'm very happy for him. Um, I'm still yet to play the first one. Uh, I don't need to download it and I think I need to play it. Like I, I've been holding off for the longest time because RTS, you know, it's not really my thing either, but. You do have it, don't you? Yeah. You, you bought it, yeah. I bought it on sale, like for 15 bucks. Yeah, it's about to say, like it goes on sale goes on for sale. crazy that, cheap. Yeah, it? it does. And it's a Mario title. That doesn't happen. Because like, I've got it physically. Mm. And I was looking at the digital copy for like the gold edition with the DLC, every little bit of uh, add-on content for thirty bucks. I'm like, mm, should I get that? I'm like, no, 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 no. So I just bought the Donkey Kong DLC to get to that. You should have, because I know what you're like with your physical games. <laughs> what am I like? You don't touch them very often. You got a switch light there. You get, you know, you just transfer your shit and you download your shit and you go, cool, I'm done. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I learnt my lesson because with, uh, say, PlayStation 5, I'm like, I I will get physical editions for this. And that's the only console, new console, I get physical games for. And I was really keen to play Scarlet Nexus, but could I get to the shops for a week? No, <laughs> I couldn't. Have you played much, actually? No, no, no I haven't. No. I picked it up uh, last Friday and... You picked it up, yeah, yeah, same day I did. Yeah. Actually, yeah. So I, I haven't got it to it yet. I'm very keen to play it though. I played the, play the first bit. It's pretty good. Oh, you've got it. Yeah. I oh, it, sweet. I yeah. got it on Series X. Yeah. Awesome. Nice. Um. Yeah. No, it's pretty good so far. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. Anyway, back back to the PlayStation thing. I hope so because when I eventually get one, I'm going to buy Ratchet and Clank off of you immediately. Yes, please. Ratchet and Clank is awesome. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm never, I'm, you know, Despite what I had to say about the game in the initial where I was sort of like, I don't think this was unachievable on PS4. I believe they could have done it. It does look really good, like mm. both uh, visually and like fun wise. And I've always played Ratchet games. Always. Like if I, if I was playing a PlayStation, it was probably probably a Ratchet game or a Jack game. Those are the games that I actually really liked on PS2. Mm. Oh, you'll love Rift Apart, man. I'm it sure is, I will. It is a joy to play. I'm sure I will. I'm like really keen to play it, but I'm also not keen to spend $125 on a game. Like that's the problem at the moment is like games are getting so expensive, you know, and I'm I'm sure it will drop in, par- in price over time. But f- for right now, like if I want to play something at release, I have to be really dedicated. You know, $125 is not anything to sneeze at. No, it's not. Forty-five more dollars expensive than a Switch game. Yeah, than a yeah Nintendo game. First-party Nintendo game, even yeah, which is <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Oh well. Um, just a, a couple more tidbits from this interview. So it was an interview uh, from uh, Multiplayer.it that this came from. Mm-hmm. Just pulling a qu- 
uh, quote from a Nintendo enthusiast. The, uh, the interview also confirmed a few other tidbits. Most notably, the game will allow you to customize your team freely, meaning that the players will not be forced uh, certain characters across missions. Instead, you can build whatever team you like. So that could be all Mushroom Kingdom characters or all Rabbids, whatever you're in the mood for. So if you don't like Rabbids, you can literally just make this Mario, um, Luigi, Peach, Rosalina, I assume, will be Mario there. Mario Sparks of Hope. <laughs> yeah, you can make it not a rabbit game apart from the enemies and stuff. And, like, you know, that's a concern that a lot of people have with uh, Mario plus rabbits in general is that, and, like, look, I'm the same. I, I really don't like them. Really? Yeah, I don't like rabbits at all. I never have because they're, they're the minions of the gaming world. They are, yeah. They I absolutely are. I personally always kind of liked rabbits. I, I was always a big Rayman fan. Yeah, but Ray- Rayman and like rabbits, they're like completely detached now. And oh, the issue, yeah, definitely. Yeah. The issue is, is that rabbits have have overtaken Rayman in terms of what they sell. Unfortunately, yes, and I'm, that has oh. killed Rayman for what it's what it's worth. <laughs> yeah, because uh, I I watched the the rabbits cartoon. It came up on ABC Kids or whatever, um, at at the Holiday House, and we don't have internet there, so we're stuck watching that if we want entertainment. Yeah, and I actually found myself kind of enjoying it. I'm like, why? Oh, they're wacky, and like yeah. that—that—that's what's the fun about them. But you know, they there's there's a level of like, at least for me, I think, where I'm just like, you you don't see a, a gaming icon that like Rayman was. Like he he was he was not huge, but he was bigger than what he is now in like terms of. Oh, he's non-existent now. He's yeah, like you know, and then you think about the Rayman games that last come out. You got Legends and um, Origins. Origins, you know, those two games, those were really good. Don't get me started on Ubisoft and then in their UbiArt initiative, which they completely got rid of. That's the. Don't the, get me started on it, please. No, I, I won't. I but, love those games, but you know, I know you do. But you know, <sighs> the thing is, is that like at the end of the day, you know, that's why everybody gets so pissed off at rabbits is that. <laughs> They appeal to a younger audience without like any centric of a doubt, but they've seen that as a reason to kill off Rayman, which an older audience would like. And it makes no sense, man. The game that we introduced in was called Rayman Raving Rabbids. Everyone just loved them. And Rayman was in the title. It hurts. It hurts. It killed him. It gets a re-release. It's like Raving Rabbids and Rayman. <laughs> it's oh. like, oh, no. Uh, additionally, the interview touched uh, a little bit on focus freedom of movement in uh, Mario Rabbids, Mario plus Rabbids, Sparks of Hope. The game uh, features less linear exploration compared to the first game, and it seems you have a free camera. So just like these all sound really good to me as someone who's not like massive into that genre, just like having a free camera, free movement, more open world, not just following a path, which you did in the original game. That sounds really good to me. So everything they're saying about this game in this interview was like, wow, this is going to be a pretty standout title. But I would just like to add on to it as well is that Rosalina is one of my favorite characters they've invented in the Mario universe because she has so much speculation and background to her, which a lot of Mario characters, they don't have that, right? So her her mystery of like her past and stuff like that that you discovered in Odyssey, that was all of an interest to me. Like I always wanted to know what that was but nobody's ever been given the answer yeah right so making her one of my favorite characters in the mario universe and then them putting in rabid form you would have thought that i'd been like oh for god's sake like they've ruined it for me like <laughs> whatever but her nonchalant like do i fucking have to attitude i'm kind of like yep all right that's better because i fucking hate normal rabbit attitude but that's great yeah just like oh 
Really? Come on. We fucking get out of my seat. <laughs> this is fucking terrible. I will say about the Mario characters not having like a backstory you're interested in. I will say in Mario 64, when Peach comes up and says, Mario, I baked you a cake. I'm like, hmm, what cake have you baked? Chocolate? You'll never know. Yeah, you'll never know. And that is the greatest mystery to the Mario universe. What Actually, cake well, were te- you going to Princess's Castle for? Technically, you did. You got the picture at the end, but you don't know what kind of cake it was. Too much, just, it was just yeah. covered in cream and strawberries. Yeah, you don't know what's under there. So you might just say- it, it was sponge? It might be- Look, I assume it's a sponge cake. Like a lot of, say, the Mario Party levels and Mario Kart levels that involve cake, they are sponge cakes. None of them are mud cakes, chocolate cakes. Because I'm personally like a massive chocolate cake fan. I don't see any of that in Mario. Aye. Which is what I'm very disappointed about. Peach, start cooking chocolate cakes. Chuck some chocolate cakes into me, please. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So well, we, we got we got that mystery out of the way. <laughs> Done. Uh, so there's been a brand new trailer for Skyward Sword, Bryce, called the Quality of Life trailer, which, uh, you know, uh, we have a lot of gross about Skyward Sword because the quality mm-hmm. of life, it didn't have any quality for my life, personally. Uh, but this one, it, it sort of shows that you can fast forward text. You can uh, make Fee, or sorry, Fi, shut the hell up because she talks a lot. You want to call her? Yeah, she does. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> Activated the trailer. You can, <laughs> it's also got an improved frame rate. Um, every time you log into the game, it doesn't tell you what an item is because the problem God. in Skyward Sword was like every, every time you boot up the Wii, you boot up the game. It was a problem in TP too. It was, yeah. So you collect a rupee. It's like, oh, this rupee is worth $5. Or Oh, this rupee is worth one. They literally had one for that. Yeah. Every single time you boot it up in a, both Skull Sword and Twilight Princess, which is like, all right, we get it. You know, I'm, We fucking get it. 15 hours into this game, I've worked out the currency. I've worked out that this is a flower that you can heal yourself with, whatever the equivalent is. You fucking stamina flower, yeah. yeah like, it's like, yeah, it's like, we get it. We get it. So they've changed it in this game, which is good to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, what this is the one thing I would love, love to be included in this game. Uh, talking about Ratchet and Clank before, there were little puzzles where you can um, you play as Ratchet and you got to do like this time-based puzzle where you move orbs around and stuff. Um, I actually had a glitch in one of mine where I couldn't beat it. I'm like, right, yeah, because Ratchet Clank's a little bit glitchy. Yeah, yeah, a little bit yeah, glitchy. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, well, but in those, those puzzles, they're optional. You could go to the menu, you could skip them. Yep. And you know, that, that sounds like, holy shit, you've got skipping part of the game. That sounds ridiculous, especially $125. You've got to <laughs> play as much of that game as possible. You've got to soak it up, yeah. But, you know, personally, I'm like, I don't want to do this. I want to shoot things and upgrade my guns and all yeah, that that's right. That's yeah. what I want to do. That's what Ratchet's Clank. about. That's right. Um, with Zelda, it's very much about exploration. About, and puzzles. And, uh, yeah, yeah. The, the puzzles and all that. But there's these parts in the game, where they're called Trials. I forgot what the exact name of the trials was exactly, but um, regardless, they take away all you. They take away all your tools, take away everything, and yeah, it's very much becomes like it's yeah, it becomes like a stealth game, and they're just so bad. I am really dreading going back to that playing them. I'm too. I'm really looking forward to Skull Sword to go back and just experience the story again, the music, the yes, dungeons, yeah, yeah, which are all good parts, yeah. I don't mind taking off my Joy-Cons doing like the motion controls again. That was fun. The motion controls are fine, by the way. Anyone who's out there like, oh, I can't be bothered wagging, wagging around. Yeah, they're fine. They're fine. They're no, good. They, 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 were, they were never terrible. No. They were great on Wii. There was a couple of uh, instances where I'm like, why did they make this the controls? But we won't. It's a little bit spoiler, so I won't touch onto that. But yeah, that's right. personally, what I would like, which we are not getting, I would like an option to skip these trials. Yes. Or at least, at least simplify them down to like, 
instead of collecting things, just get to the end of an area of something like it. They did it. They did it for Wind Waker with the Triforce shards. I kind of wish they made the change here. And like, okay, so my okay, going into this, first of all, I'm actually thinking about pre-ordering that amiibo. Uh, uh, the Zelda uh, yeah. and Lothwing. Yes, yep. for its skip potential and like you know, fucking saving me a whole bunch of time. Oh, the, oh yeah, the teleporting. I'm very pissed off that it's a paid feature through an amiibo. That sucks. A forty dollar amiibo. A f- Don't remind me. <laughs> Right, but like I, I wanna, I wanna bring down the monotony a bit so I can try and enjoy the game. Okay. Um. Now, the other thing is, is that um, I'm I'm going to try and go for a review for this one. This, and like you know, I, I've already put in, I've already put in like my sort of like, hey, I'd like to review this sort of thing, and. I've I've made a pretty clear warning to like because people know that I I write for Dash Gamer. So, and I said to him, I'm like, do keep in mind though, this will probably be my longest review mm. because I love this game in a lot of facets and I also fucking hate it in a lot of facets. And like, I, I really want the opportunity to put it to bed and just be like, all right, these are my final thoughts on the game. I've played it many years later, you know, because obviously we played it when we were in high school. Mm-hmm. I, I want to be able to play it now when I'm a full grown functioning adult, you know, a decade later. And be like, all right, here's my final thoughts on the game at its absolute like most convenience. <laughs> it's most HDness. <laughs> no, it, yeah, it's most it's most convenient form to play. You know, you've got motion controls, you've got standard controls. You know, you don't have to go through some monotonous things and some. Again, what you said before, there's a few bits in the game that are like bad control design. You know, I want to be able to skip past that. And like, look through it to see what it actually is, and I'm kind of hoping that's what this game will do mm. for the game. Yep, definitely. And I, I feel the same way. Um, friend of the show, Ash Wallace, he's like, "Hey, do you want me to like play through this game, and we'll do like an episode on it where it's from a perspective of someone playing it for the first time?" I'm like, "That sounds like a great that idea." That would so, be a great idea. So I think what we'll do is we'll do you, myself, and Ash. And we'll do like a big spoiler cast, big review discussion. And we'll just like have a really big conversation about this game. Because this is one of those games that's been on like the back of our tongues for the last 10 years. Yeah. Where it's like, we love it, but... We hate it. But we hate it. And it just it just comes from a place where at the time, the Zelda series needed the change. Yeah. And that's what prompted Breath of the Wild. Hmm. So, really looking forward to it. I hope people do pick it up. I hope people aren't put listen, off by our conversations yeah, about listen, it. Listen, like, regardless, if you're listening to this right now, obviously we've just talked about a smack of it where we're like, we love it, but we hate it because there's a lot of problems with it. Um, listen, it is good for a first-time playthrough, at least. I don't know if that's going to make it the same this time around. It, you might actually find that the changes that they make in this HD version that cut down the monotony, it might actually make it better for you to play a second time round, maybe even a third time round. But mm. on the Wii, it was a travesty mm. <laughs> to play a second time round. There was no motivation to do it whatsoever. That being said, it is a huge, huge, huge portion of Zelda lore that you can't really skip over. It is the beginning of Zelda in terms of timeline. So to understand it entirely, you need to play it. Like reading a summary, I feel it isn't good enough. Yeah. Well, I know like a lot of people out there, like they don't give a shit about the whole Zelda timeline or whatever. I'm but sure they don't. It's just an interesting story. 
the thing is, is like at the end of the day, it is it is before Hyrule was tamed and became what Hyrule is mm. for future years to come. Um, well, you know what I mean, like in terms of the timeline. Uh, so it's and you know it's where the cycle of uh, the Triforce, the Triforce bearers started. It's like very important to the actual foreground of the entirety of Zelda. So. I recommend it for at least a one-time playthrough, no matter what, no matter how much I like despise some of the things about the game. Like if you if you have if you perchance have a copy for Wii that you've never touched, like I'm I'm the first to say, yeah, play it because it's important, but it's also not something you're gonna want to go back to. <laughs> yeah, and like that's you know I, I get the itch every now and then to be like I kind of want to play Skyward Sword again, then I remember these things and I'm like I don't want to do it. Yeah, the trials are like one thing where I'm like, but I don't want to say too much about them at this point. No, no, yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to do this. It's as basically, less it's basically as a brand possible. new, a brand new game at this point for it, that, a lot of people. That's the thing is, if it is a brand new game for you, like obviously, yeah, you should play it because you're not going to see it in the same way that we do until you've actually gone through it. But that being said, with the quality of life changes that they're making to the game, hopefully it cuts out some of the monotony, makes it a shorter experience and doesn't leave a lingering of pre- impression of like, I spent like 60 hours on this game. Mm. It took me 30 hours to play through it, I think. 30, yeah, but if you're like if you're the type of person to go around and do all the side quests, there's a lot to do. Mm, yeah. Um, but uh, like, obviously there, there's, there's some things in the game that then they're simply not going to be able to change that oh, yeah. I, I hate, you know, like... Um, uh, Skyloft and everything, like as cool as Skyloft is, like it's not as varied and um, explorational as like Wind Waker's Sea, for example. It's very barren in comparison, and like that's something that we've talked about before. Um, you know, they're not, obviously not going to be able to change that. They're not going to be. They're not going to be doing anything about Add that. Add a bunch of seagulls just flying in there, make <laughs> it feel populated. You know, and and that's and that's a that's an inherent problem with the game that they're never going to be able to change. Um, but considering it might have like this this portion of it might actually have importance in Breath of the Wild too. It's going to be very important to know about Skyloft and like what it represents and stuff like that because it'll probably have some sort of a connection or tie to it. Especially if you've watched the Breath of the Wild two trailer, you're like, oh look, there's these floating islands everywhere. Well, where where the fuck else have you seen floating islands? Skyward Sword. It's the only other game. Yeah. And some of the best characters, I think it's probably the best representation of Zelda. She's just a really fun character. Yes. Really different to most other of time, Twilight Princess. Maybe a little, maybe like obviously Wind Waker is very, very playful Zelda. It's it's the only, yeah. it's the only Zelda game where they're like, you know, friends from birth, essentially. Like yep, they slid out onto the doctor's table and oh we're mates we're mates yes slapped each other and like Ocarina <laughs> Ocarina of Time was was it tried to set up that and then they kind of like separated them and then they did the whole child and adult, adult timeline where they've been separated but yet you know whatever still sort of share the same goal and then they ended uh, Ocarina of Time in in that like re- reunification of of them two in the end credits that's not really a spoiler it's kind of just something that happens they're kind of just like oh look hey look we're kids again hey. Hey. Sort of thing, mm. um, and then Link must go on to tell her about what happened or whatever. But anyway, um, regardless of that fact, whereas this is like you know we're the same age, we're born around the same time. You know, ever since we were babies, we've been friends, and it's sort of just become like this, yeah, thing. 
So um, it's, it's a very unique connection between Zelda and Link, much, much kind of like I would argue that the connection between Zelda and Link is in Breath of the Wild as well. I think that's like the second closest connection that they've ever had, to be honest. Yeah, I'd probably say it, like in Wind Waker, like a little bit similar. Obviously, in Breath of the Wild, it was really cool because it wasn't just like, she wasn't like a really princessy princess. No, like no. She, she got out there, got her hands dirty. Yeah, but on on top of that as well, like he was he was like her her knight, her, like the chosen knight and her chosen champion. Uh, well, not really her chosen champion, but the chosen champion of the Master Sword. <laughs> um, but they they developed a relationship over time, like through these memories and stuff like that. You can see that, and you know that's that's how they form that connection. Whereas every Zelda since has sort of been like either Zelda's already at the top. And Link is just a farm boy, you know, mm. sort of thing. And that's how it's always sort of been. Um, with, uh, again, um, Wind Waker, it's also a little bit different there because it's kind of like his X character. This X character is, whoa, holy shit. Mm. You know, I'm trying not to spoil it. Yeah. But, you know, it, it, the close in terms of closest connection, it's definitely Skyward Sword and then Breath of the Wild. Um, so, yeah, if you like the more closey connectiveness of the characters of Link and Zelda, you're definitely going to enjoy Skyward Sword because that's it all over. Because yeah. I, I don't know how, how you felt uh, when Skyward Sword HD got announced, but I was like, oh, Skyward Sword, I can't be bothered playing yeah, that again. I don't know, yeah. But, but now we're in July, I'm actually like, I'm actually a little bit keen. I'm actually looking forward to it no, in a, I, I, a bit. I do want to play it again, but I want to play it again to put it to bed and be like, all right. <laughs> The, these are my final thoughts and opinions. Is this like an ex-partner you've got to go and confront? No, and like, well, all right, we're just you we're- have you have different <laughs> you have different opinions when you're a kid and like you have different tastes and stuff like that. And I, I know we were teenagers and we were already starting to forming form adult opinions, and I think I'm going to hold the same opinions of a lot of things. But with removing some of the monotony, maybe it'll make it a quicker experience, and maybe I won't be holding on to the trudginess of like some certain parts that really hold back my opinion. Of the game. And once I can get my words on paper after playing it fresh and it's like in my mind again and I get these words out on paper, then at least if anybody goes, hey, what would you think of Skyward Sword? Because that's a question I get asked asked sometimes when people are sort of just meeting me as a Zelda fan or whatever. And just like, oh. Because everybody has that same opinion about Skyward Sword, to be completely honest with you. So it is kind of just like, you know, oh, I want to get those words out on paper and just go, Here's an article I wrote. Yeah. Yeah. Because, <laughs> this, you know, my reviews are anywhere from 2,000 to 2,500 words long for the most part. I, I could see this going 4,000 plus. Jesus. I'm not lying. Yeah, I, I know. I, I assume you'll be very in-depth with your Zelda reviews. Well, so. I, I really want to make it, like, quite clear. Like, you know, I, <laughs> I have been a Zelda fan since I was five. That's 22 years that I've been a Zelda fan and I've cared about this series a hell of a lot. And that's why this... This game is is a bit a bit uh, neither here nor there, you know. Mm. Everything else about Skyward Sword, like the com- like you said before, the combat puzzles and stuff like that, they're all fun. And good. Yeah, no, not worried about that. It's just the way the game handles it all. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm sure to hear a lot more about Skyward Sword and Bryce's review and our spoiler cast coming in the future. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, look for- I'm actually really look for- looking forward to doing that. Yeah. Yeah. So just a little bit of uh, information as well about a game builder garage. Um, Garage. 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 Um, There's actually a brand new sort of uh, uh, Awada R segment on Nintendo.com. 
which is really interesting. It's not it's not called a wider ask anymore, obviously, but it's called Ask the Developer. And uh, the most the very first one was a, a Q and A with the producers of um, Game Builder Garage, yep. and they just um, I won't obviously read read the whole thing here or any of it, but I'll just <laughs> some of the tidbits that come from it. That the idea for the game come from uh, development on Labo. Uh, more specifically Labo VR, how you can actually make some VR games in that Labo um, game. And the idea come from that. And We wouldn't know because we never bothered. <laughs> yeah, never played the cardboard VR. Uh, but also that they uh, they tested it with kids before they actually made it a product as well. They took it to a primary school and kids really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. Which seeing the product now, you could definitely say that Again, you've seen yeah. with your kids. Yeah, yeah, because I yeah, I wrote the review with the perspective of Evie in there. Mm. Mm. So just like a couple of interesting tidbits and I think the more interesting thing is just that they're bringing back this type of interview within Nintendo, how we can actually get sort of uh, information from Nintendo producers and developers, which we got ages ago because it was always really interesting when Iwata would sit down and ask like these questions that, you know, journalists and that would never get that kind of access, you know, People like us would love that access to talk to um, people, but going into Nintendo and Japanese, yeah. you know, all of that, uh, those barriers, we'll never get that. So no. having a Nintendo themselves sit down, I don't know who actually interviewed them, but um, yeah, very interesting. So go and check that out, Nintendo.com, and hopefully we'll get many more for many more games coming out. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah. I think that developer connection is kind of important with the consumer. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, the last one. So this is just a bit of an interesting and funny one from Nintendo enthusiasts. It's a, a bit of a, a task someone's accomplished in Breath of the Wild. So the title is uh, Yiga Clan yeah. can pull the Master Sword easily in Breath of the Wild. Did you it turns cover, out. Did you cover the other one as well? No. I will talk about that after this one. Please do, please do. So I'll just read from the article, make sure I don't miss anything. So the article reads, Obtaining the Master Sword in The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild is supposed to feel like a great accomplishment, acquiring 13 heart containers and some navigation skills. If Link is not physically up to the task of pulling the Master Sword from the resting place in uh, Korok Village, then it will stay there forevermore. Uh, however, the Yiga Clan must be a branch of secret jacked superheroes because they can pull off, they can pull the Master Sword in Breath of the Wild, no problem. It turns out, YouTube channel Forney Fox approved it in a video where they decided to glitch the Yiga Clan member into Korok Forest and bring the uh, bring him to the Master Sword, since the Yiga Clan will typically pick up any item they come across. So they say that um, uh, the glitch sounds like a tremendous understatement of, of how much effort was involved in making this video, though, as they spent hours getting the Yiga clan to follow Link into Kakarot Village. Mm-hmm. Uh, Forest, sorry. Uh, it sounds like a tremendous and tedious use of time, but the results speak for themselves. Once a Yiga clan member finally comes across the Master Sword, he picks it up immediately and it vanishes forever. Quote, it just deleted the Master Sword out of existence, end quote. Uh, Following the death of the Giga Clan's um, Liga Clan member, um, I missed a section here. Um, following the death of the Giga Clan, uh, the Giga at Link's hand. However, the functionality to pull the Master Sword is still present. It's just invisible. <laughs> so I was interested. Like, just and so begins the next speed run category. Oh, trying to get him to the Master Sword to grab it. Yep. Yeah. So it's that'll just, be the next speedrun category. I can guarantee it. Just the so watching the video. It's a four-minute video where they do a fair few cuts, obviously, but just the, the amount of time it would be to lure one of these members all the way through that maze 
to the Master Sword was just ridiculous. He was like placing bombs down and the Yiki clan member would just like pick it up, put it in his pocket, then they put down another bomb and just like he's just doing a bomb trail, just leading him. <laughs> and that is a long way to bring him. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. absolutely mad because that's what I love about this game. There's just so much to it where it's just like someone's like- People are still discovering Yeah, things. he picks up items. The Master Sword is here. I'll take him there. And once he killed him in Korok uh, Forest as well, it um, actually opened up a door all the way back from where he lured him from. Yeah. <laughs> and it was all glitched out because the game was like, where the fuck are you, man? <laughs> like the floor was missing and you see the enemies and like the walls and that, but that's all you could see because the game was like, what is going on? Mm. So you could just imagine like the play test stage for these types of games. It would just be unreal. Yeah. Because yeah. you could imagine just you would not think of anyone doing any of these things, but it oh, happens. Yeah. It happens. So I thought that was just a really cool thing to, to bring up. I think it's amazing what the community is doing with this game. And is, is that what the news was that the, there's like a, a speed running ca- category? Is that no, what? no, 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 okay. no. Um, there was another thing that um, happened in Breath of the Wild this week too. Uh, and that was that an unopenable chest has been opened. Oh, okay. Yeah. So um, I can't remember exactly where it was, so don't quote me on it. But mm-hmm. there is a chest somewhere, I think it's near the fishing village, that spawns so far underwater that you actually can't grab it and will eventually just disappear into the void. So once you move into its loading zone, you know, it's impossible to get it. You can't use Magnesis to get it. It's too far down the ocean. It will keep falling and will eventually fall out into existence. That is the purpose of the chest. It has nothing more. Like it kind of, it, it's something they obviously put there. They forgot to take it out. Um, oh, they just hit it yeah, instead of deleting it. Well, um, I think, no, I don't even think it's that. I think they intended to have something there and then they took that thing out but forgot to delete a chest. Mm. So this chest was unopenable. It was functionally unopenable. But somebody managed to open it um, using glitches. Um, and basically what they did is they used, uh, I can't remember exactly the the glitch process because they just recorded the result. Mm. Um, but there's a glitch process to get under the water and stand on like an invisible floor, um, underneath the water. And, um, the problem is, is that the only way to get down there, it's quite a distance from the chest. So you have to use a combination of like stasis and arrows to keep it afloat. Um, until you can get close enough to magnesis it and draw it to you, in which you can use cryonis to use as a stable platform to sort of whatever. And wow. they they managed to get it and they managed to open it and it had an amber in it. Okay. That is all I had in it. <laughs> so, you know, um, yeah, that was really interesting. It was um, uh, something that nobody thought possible, but somebody actually managed to pull it off and figure out how to do it. But, you know, people are still discovering things in Breath of the Wild, whether they be intended or unintended and like those two things are unintended um it wasn't all that long ago that people discovered that if you cut down a tree and you get on a log and if you <sighs> jump link on the log you could back roll on it you know nobody fucking knew you could do that in breath of the wild because yeah. nobody tried and that's the magic of breath of the wild you know that is why the game is regarded so heavily is like four years later that is an intended mechanic in the game nobody fucking knew existed <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. For that chest, the person was like, oh, I was expecting like a thousand rupees or something, surely, after all this effort I've gone to. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, but it was nothing. It was just an amber. But like, I mean, the spectacle of opening it, like it hasn't been opened since launch. Mm. And now all of a sudden it has. And then it's the same thing with this Yugi clan member. You know, nothing like that has been attempted since launch because they didn't think it would work. And then it did, you know, so... 
that's pretty that's pretty nuts man yeah well even just thinking of doing it in the first place like it's only a few dot points to put together this enemy picks up things there's this unpickable up item <laughs> being the master sword which you know you can't drop or anything mm. uh that is here it's like there's not much to it but it's just putting those two things together <laughs> and yeah. actually getting it to work yeah that's right whether you're just like luring it with your body Mm-hmm. Or you're dropping bombs or dropping items and stuff. It's just, oh, man, I love this game. I need to play it after Skyward Sword or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's been it'd, a while. Be, it's been a long time for me. It'll be a really good recap before Breath of the Wild Two comes out. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Nice, uh, nice three hundred hour recap. <laughs> it's like I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting my mother-in-law to play it. Like she's had my copy for ages now, but um, my kids broke her Joy-Con. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> well, they'd, what they, they do? I, I just, oh, dropped it. You know. And you know that that's that's something I sort of wander against. I'm kind of just like, do that, and you let them run around with it. They're going to break it eventually because look at what happened with Evie's, and uh, it's like, okay, okay, all right, yeah. Eventually, it happened. So that sucks. But here we are. So I lent her a pair of um, hoary D-pad, uh, not hoary D-pad, hoary joy pads, mm-hmm. which are you know like a more standard controller. And she's like, I remembered why I stopped playing Breath of the Wild, and that's because it is really hard on the plateau. I'm like, it is. I'm like, yeah, that is the nature of it, though. It is meant to teach you at the start just how hard the game could be. Realistically, though, you don't have to kill any of those enemies. She's like, yeah, but that's what I want is I want to kill them. Like, you know, just leave them alone, dude. I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> you know, but the the plateau is only an hour long. Like at the most, if you just skip over that and do that bit. And then once you come off the plateau, if you look in the distance and you see a place of interest, you're probably going to find a weapon there that's strong enough to kill things. So that's what you do. You know, mm. that is that is sort of like Breath of the Wild. Um, and that is the magic of it. And that is the way it needs to be played. I'm like, it, it's not it's not really noticeable um, from the beginning because a lot of people sort of enter in Breath of the Wild if they've never played a Zelda game before. They're kind of just like, uh, okay, all right, I'll do this. And they're getting their ass kicked or whatever. And they're just like, hmm. You know, well, I don't really have the interest in getting my ass kicked, but those of us that are Zelda fans, we want to stick with it and see where it goes. And that's why it was so easy for us to fall in love with it because we're just like, we got past the plateau. We're like, all right, we're off this shit now. Now, where do we go? I'm like, there. And then we go there. We find a nice weapon. We're like, oh, this is awesome. I like this. This is a fucking sword that's on fire and I can fucking hit things with it and they burn. You're like, yes. Like, that's something that's never been in Zelda. Oh, my God. You know, and that that is that is sort of what it is. Is like once you do that, you can get past that. Yeah, the Great P- Plateau is probably pretty easily the hardest part of the game <laughs> at yeah. the very start. Yeah, just been like, all right, here's some bloody enemies. Oh, they absolutely roll you with like a couple of bow and arrows on, on master mode, man. Jesus Christ. Mm. You know, I struggle with the plateau on master mode, and I'm an experienced Breath of the Wild player. I have 250 hours in the game, plus. So yeah. I, I struggle at the start as well, like on, on master mode, obviously, I still do. But the way I learned is that, you know, the plateau is not the place to be focusing on killing enemies. You're going to get through the tutorial. That is the tutorial. It'll teach you the basic mechanics of the game, like, oh, cold weather makes you shiver and makes you die slowly, so I better get some warm clothes on. Cool, yeah, that makes sense. And then, like, you know, here's bombs, they blow up. Cool is magnesis you can pick up metal things with it you know it is it is primarily for that it's not for going around and killing mob camps because the mob camps typically have weapons that are stronger than you're going to find you got plenty more horror to do that in that's exactly right but (laughs) that that's something that people don't really get when they pick it up is that 
you know, the plateau is the smallest section in the entire game. After you get off the plateau, the whole the whole world is literally, quite literally, your oyster. You can go wherever the hell you want. <laughs> it's literally your oyster. You're just like sliding on it. Oh, this is a big, gross world. Yeah. You're just like, all right, what's that in the distance? Is that a shrine? Okay, I'll go there, do that. You do a puzzle. It's like, here is a really cool piece of armor, or here is a really nice weapon. And then you're like, cool, what can I do with this really nice weapon? It's like, I can kill bigger things, which will give me a consistent flow of nice weapons. Mm. You're like, yes. I hate to do this, but talking about weapons, like I, I always hear the argument of, oh, the weapon degradation. It's, it's starting to drive me fucking nuts. <laughs> it drove me nuts the more people talked about it. <laughs> Ugh. And like I'm not calling okay, I'm not calling him out. But no, like, don't, it, don't. You mentioned you mentioned before like you you've mentioned once before, you're like that's something that Ryan Betson brought up when he was talking about Breath of the Wild. Every, everyone brings it up. And everyone. Paul Paul does as well. Paul, Paul James. Paul Dylan Buddy. But, yeah, they're like weapon degradation. Guys, it is a core mechanic of the game for a reason. They don't want you to kill everything with ease constantly. They want you to struggle. They want you to plan because there's a lot of things you can do in the game. Yeah, the thing about Breath of the Wild is you'll never get better than the environment. No. And the, environment, the environment is your friend. That is yeah. the point. Even when you get the Master Sword, it's not about it's not like the Witcher or anything else where it's like, oh, I've got the ultimate sword. I will kill everything. You'll never kill everything. There'll always be something that will come out and get you. It's The environment will always best you no matter what, whether it's a stone talus or whatever's going to come out and kick your ass there's always going to be something if you've just broken your last weapon in your pack and you've got a camp of bacoblins in front of you <laughs> and you're like well i need a new weapon and you see the weapons in front of you they take notice they pick up their weapons and you're like well shit i can't fight them yes you can you've got an infinite supply of bombs throw those bombs blow them up into the water where they can't survive because they can't swim you get the weapons done you see a coral leaf on the ground, you're like, oh, this is useless. It's got 1% damage. Yeah, but you can use them to blow them into situations where they can't, like, you can blow them off of the platform or whatever. They fall to their death, they die. You get their weapon. There is always something you can do. Yeah. It's not always about picking up the biggest and shiniest weapon. And that's what the game wants you to know. And even if that is the case, and you're like, all right, but I want a consistent flow of weapons, you can get them. It's very possible. All you have to do is kill guardians. And that sounds. You know, that's and from a perspective of like, oh, yeah, just kill guardians. I'm like, yes, that sounds really difficult, but shield deflection is the number one killer in the game, apart from obviously ancient arrows. Ancient arrows kill them instantly. And you can use shield deflection to kill guardians as long as you learn the timing perfectly. You collect those parts, you can go trade them in for weapons. And that is a consistent flow of weapons. As long as you kill a guardian every now and then, you've got the parts to do it. Yeah. Oh, like, just. It's it's like the ultimate experience I've had where it's not even about leveling up your character, getting your stats up. It's just learning the mechanics, learning about how every little intricate part works. Because the first Guardian encounter, I was like, like the music is terrifying. Like, I was the like, whole experience is terrifying. I was playing there in handheld mode next to Bryce. I was like, shit, fucking. I was just like swearing my head off. Just like, oh my God, I'm like hiding behind a tree. Then they... Shoots shoots its laser at the tree. The tree explodes into flames. Like, oh my god! Like, yeah, and you piss ball. If then you see the reticle on your head, you're like, oh my god! But like, as you go around, you've you know, you've got a better shield and that. Be like, oh my god, it's a guardian, and you like you put your shield up, and your first the first time you ever do it, you'll never forget it. Yeah. When you th- throw your shield out and you parry deflect the laser. that yeah. laser back to it, 
and it blows it up. You're like, you, these things are not invincible. Then you go and get all their parts and that, and then you can use it for more weapons. That it's just a really special game. It really I, is. Like at the very least, I'll agree on one thing. Right? Is that the weapon degradation can be cruel. Okay, but that doesn't necessarily mean it needs to be removed from the game entirely. I think if you made them less degradable, so they take maybe 50% longer, then I would say that's probably excusable. What do you think about repairable? Even repairable. Like you've still got them, but then you take them and for exchange yeah. of rupees or some currency. As long, as long as you have the consequence of if you, you overuse it and you do run them out, then they break. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that'd right? be cool. So that there is a consequence to it still. Right, I I am perfectly fine with like if it says your sword is badly damaged, then putting it away and then not using it, and then at least in a desperation attempt, if I'm like, oh fuck, I have no choice, like you still use it, you'll lose it, but that's the consequence. Like I feel like that's got to be the draw, right? Like mm. with without degradable weapons, Breath of the Wild does not feel like the experience it's intended to because you just go to the places where all the powerful weapons are at the start of the game because you can do that. You can go anywhere you want. And then you can pick all those up. If you've got them with the rest of the game, then the game is a joke. You know, there is no difficulty to it. It is too simple. It is way too simple. Like, mm. you know, you pick up, you go kill a Lionel. If you go and kill a Lionel, like immediately, you know, grab grab like two or three good weapons, kill a Lionel immediately. Those things have the strongest weapons in the game and they're overpowered as shit because they turn like, you know, the Lionel bows, you get a three or five shot Lionel bow they use one bomb arrow. They turn them into five. Yeah, that's way too overpowered for Breath of the Wild. Like, there's a there's a reason they don't have that sort of system in there. They want you to break them because they're meant to be used in desperation. Mm. You know, otherwise the game gets too simple. And like in master mode, like in my playthrough, like I'm still 100%ing it. Like I I gradually go back to it every now and again, and like do the Korok seeds per area at a time. Um, because it is it is a bit of a slow burn, like doing all the Korok seeds, as you would imagine. <laughs> yeah, 900 of them. Yeah. There's 900 of the fucking things. <laughs> um, but, yeah. you know, during that gra- gradual slow burn, like I've gone through heaps of weapons in Master Mode because things don't die that quick. Um, but I always look for the env- environmental option first because enemies are generally very cleverly placed so that you have an environmental option to kill them mm. because they want you to use every aspect of the game not just your weapon yeah as far as as far as far as that goes like if you do like a um a trial or not a trial a um what's it called again not a what they called shrine shrine yeah it's just completely erased from my brain if you do a shrine like a combat a combat shrine you get one of the guardians weapons it's really good it would be nice if you just never lost that and you could like repair it or whatever like we're saying i think that would be a good middle ground because I think it's um, a lot of people are saying that they don't enjoy it, and I guess you got to follow some of the feedback. Whereas I think it was a good mechanic to make make you never feel comfortable in the environment. I thought that was a good thing for the game. You got plenty of open world games where you get to level ninety nine and you just kill everything. Like, yeah, that's right. You know, there's plenty of games like that. Breath of the Wild was all about just utilizing what's what's around you to something is always a threat in Breath of the Wild. Yeah, something's always a threat. So maybe for those people that do enjoy a more traditional open world game, for example, maybe that is a good middle ground to have where if someone does really have an awesome weapon, you can look after it. You can repair it. Yeah, but your consequence is that if you overuse it, it gets destroyed. Because, Mm. like, let's face it, if you want to talk about realism in video games, like, everybody, like, it's always chasing this thing where they're just like, I want this game to feel realistic, (laughs) 
right? And that is the reality of it. If you use a weapon too fucking much, it's going to break, man. <laughs> and the chances of you repairing it are generally pretty fucking low. Yeah. I guess like a, a lot of these games have done like, oh, you've got to go and get going and sharpen your sword. And you've got to go and craft your items, you know. The Witcher was the same. Like, yeah, it's yeah. Just like you can still use the sword, but it's fucking useless now. Like, how is that any different then? It's just like a blunt stick. Yeah. <laughs> but and like the weapons you pick up in in uh, in Breath of the Wild, it's like, oh look, I've got this great flame blade. It can burn things. Yes, it's just like, and then it breaks, and that's why people get depressed because they're like, I don't have my big flame weapon anymore. But they're not unique. They're everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you you find them on bosses. You find them in chests. You find them. You know, they're not unique weapons like they are in most open world games where you find them. You know, so. It's kind of, yeah, now it is. comes down to just personal choice or whatever, but... It is, yeah. At the end of the day, look, if you don't like the weapon degradation system, like, I'm I'm going to say that's fine. You don't have to like it, but saying it's, you know, you do get people that are just like, changing it would literally not damage the game whatsoever. It would. It really, really would. And I'm like, I hate to say it, but like, I'm somebody that's put 250 hours in the game. I have an opinion on this. <laughs> Definitely. I've I've run out of weapons plenty of times where I'm like, oh fuck. Oh shit. And especially in master mode, again, oh fuck. That is a big deal because enemies regenerate health when you don't hit them. <laughs> so you know, all of a sudden it's just like I've been using this sword to like smack them down. I've used a whole sword down, I've broken it, and it's only lost half its health. But it's it like heal, heals qu- back. Quick, yeah. I need to find something to kill it with, otherwise it's just gonna heal all that damage back and that sword's wasted. You know? That is the thing, is like standard Breath of the Wild is not that bad when you compare it to that. And there's always an option. You can knock weapons out of enemies' hands by using parry. And then you can go run over and take their weapon and then use it against them. There is options. Um, but just because a weapon looks flashy in Breath of the Wild doesn't mean that it's unique or, you know, after a Blood Moon, you can go and pick that weapon back up again. <laughs> You know, they do they do come back. Like but they just don't want you to mow the game down like a fucking lawnmower. <laughs> they want you to feel contested. They want you to slowly weed it like with your hands, not use that lawnmower. Mm. I wouldn't even say slowly weed it. Like I, I think you can I think you can beat the game. It's quite obvious you can beat it at a relative pace. Speedrunners exist for a reason. Um, and I think, you know, that that's definitely something important about the game is that the game does put you in your place where you're just like, you know, you can't tackle the world. <laughs> you know, you've got to, you've got to adapt. That is how it is. Hmm. Thinking of open world games, I guess, you know, like I, I've, I've actually been playing Horizon Zero Dawn. Oh, sweet. Right. Oh, yeah, that's right. And that, on PC. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And it's something that, um, you know, I've only put maybe about five to eight hours into it so far. And, you know, for a game that come at the same time as Breath of the Wild, like, it, it is very similar in how it works. You know, there is a, in every area, there is a big uh, tall neck that you get to climb to get a survey of the map, which will give you locations for things and stuff like that. You know, it's very much the same. And I appreciate it because um, for games that come out at the same time, they are strikingly similar in a lot of ways. And that's really cool. Um, except, you know, obviously um, Horizon Zero Dawn has uh, talent trees and stuff like that, whereas Link's kit is, like, straight up and, you know, whatever. So there's differences, and I can see, like, the sense of progression in Horizon Zero Dawn, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn sorry, uh, being a draw to some people because progression systems make you feel like you're getting more powerful as time goes on, whereas in Breath of the Wild, it doesn't feel like that. It feels like you've got your whole kit out the gate 
and your power is in your weapons that you get, which is why people get pissed off when they break. Um, but like weapons in Horizon Zero Dawn, whenever you find them, like they're generally direct upgrades and they have rarity tiers and they don't break. So it's kind of just like eventually you're like, I'm looking for like an orange orange weapon or something like that, you know? And you're like, yeah. now I feel ultra powerful and I can mow down anything in this game that I wanted. And that's like where you get your sense of like, I know this game, you know, because I've gotten to that point where I've got a full set of orange gear and I can just kill things, right? Yeah. It's a lot more like linear progression, like typically. like That's right. Because in, in Breath of the Wild, you can be playing for a five hour session. Mm. And you can just walk and get nowhere. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> or you can kill some moblins, you get some rupees. You can you can do like nothing for f- yep. five hours, really. And okay, so like you know, I should have pl- I should have played Horizon Zero Dawn a lot earlier because obviously it gets compared a lot, especially between the people that we know. It gets compared a lot to the Legend of Zelda, right? Yeah, and I really I really should have played it earlier it's too. The, it's that whole fanboy thing too, you know, Nintendo versus PlayStation. I guess same so. game, same month, you know. Yeah. So oh yeah, the the thing is is that like I didn't need two of that in the same time. And like I had a PS4 and I knew that it was going to be one of the big games, but I just, it just, at the time I'm like, I don't need two of these. Um, but now that I am actually playing it, I see what you mean. Like I can see where you're at and like where you feel like you um, have satisfaction in the game is that, you know, you're progressing through the game. You're getting more powerful time. Go- as time goes on, you get this gear and that ultimately makes you feel more powerful. Whereas like, that gear, that gear and stuff like that, while it exists in Breath of the Wild, it isn't the main draw of Breath of the Wild. The difference is, is that finding this gear in Horizon Zero Dawn and like going up in your talent trees and stuff like that, that is ultimately the thing that makes you feel powerful. Whereas in Breath of the Wild, it's about using your limited toolkit with your breakable weapons to overcome an obstacle that makes you feel powerful because it, will, it makes you know the game's mechanics more. So you've got mechanics versus the grind, mm. right? If the grind makes you feel powerful, that's what Horizon Zero Dawn is going to do for you. If you like play a skill, you're going to get more satisfaction out of Breath of the Wild because you've got limited tools. Which is why speedrunning Breath of the Wild is really popular because you can beat the game in... I think the fastest time at the moment is like below 30 minutes. Like if you want to go do the you know traditional get off the plateau and go straight to Ganon... Mm. Um, but you can find all the tools you need on your journey to the castle, get everything you need. And then as long as you're playing the game smart, you will beat Ganon, right? And if you are playing like that extremely smart, you know the game's mechanics down to a T, you are going to beat that fight with very basic weapons that you just pick up from the castle, like a two-handed royal broadsword and then like, you know, a royal bow off the wall. Like all the tools are there to defeat Ganon, but just having the tools doesn't make you... Um, winning capable you have to know the game's mechanics very well you know you need to know that strength food buffs are going to give you x amount of damage in order to kill this thing in a timely manner without breaking your sword and then you know there is mathematics to it plus a power spike plus knowing how much you can actually get out of a weapon you know that is the difference it's not the grind it's the grind versus you know the skill if you have the good player skill you're going to figure it out. If you like the grind to feel more powerful and you eventually have all this gear where you're like, I feel kitted out as fuck, that's definitely why Horizon Zero Dawn gets its thing. Because, again, the games are very similar, mm. but they're executed differently, and that is it. Skill versus grind. Yeah. So there's there's a lot more to it than what a lot of people say. It was like, oh, I can't climb things in Horizon Zero Dawn. There's <laughs> a lot more to it than that. Like, they're just fundamentally, from game design, just completely different. 
Yeah, at the fundamental level, but the general basic concept is definitely the same in that there's huge open world games, mm. um, but um, it is definitely down to what you perceive it as because Horizon Zero Dawn, like, it just, it's not it doesn't require any skill. Like, you know... Um, no, it definitely does. You, using, <laughs> using traps to your advantage and stuff like that is a huge thing for Alloy or Aloy or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, Aloy. Yeah, yeah I know, but... <laughs> Just the way I read a name every time, I'm like alloy. I think of alloy. Um, I think it's based off that because you know metal yeah. robots and that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But they call her <laughs> alloy. Um, using traps to your advantage and stuff like that gives you a huge advantage in, in in fights. Right? That's that's obviously not a lie. And you know, using forward planning, it's 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 a concept that's used in both games. But you know, um, if you have all the toolkits and uh, all the tools you can get in Aloy's kit to make something happen you're going to succeed like that is how it is like you've got everything there needed to do it whereas like again breath of the wild is down to mathematics and um figuring out how much you can get out of one toolkit and there's a lot you know it's like i've got an octo balloon i'm going to attach this octo balloon to a bomb i'm going to use a coral leaf to fucking fling it in a certain direction so it goes right behind this pack of mobs blow it up and they're going to go flying into the water. Whereas, um, you know, that same forward thinking in Horizon Zero Dawn is like, I'll leave a trap here, a wire trap. I'll get its attention by sitting back here, shoot it with a bow. It'll come charging towards me, trip the trap, and then I'll, it'll be exposed to a weak spot. And then you can go in there, you know, give it a nice old stab. And, you know, that's that's sort of how it is. You know, it's good. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I absolutely love that um, way you looked at it. That was a really insightful sort of look into how some people perceive both games and why they might prefer one or the other. Yeah. I, I think at the end of the day, like the polarizing comparison between the two comes from depending on which one you played first is going to generally be. Cause like, what was that? You know, um, there was like a, that mission leading up to the sort of deserty place where you go and find this guy who also had the, whatever you want to call it, the focus, that's it. Um, and you want to go to his house because he he betrayed you or whatever. And you want to go investigate his house, mm. and you have along the way you have to beat some of those like uh, dangerous monster zones. I can't remember what they're called. Uh, I can't remember the ex- exact terminology. Yeah, I, no. I can't either. I beat the level fifteen one at level eight just through very simple forward planning and using the environment to my advantage because that's mm. how I play Breath of the Wild. I didn't need to do the leveling up before that. I hadn't even spent any skill points at that point because. I'm a person that likes to perfect the skill tree. Yeah. So I will read like what are the best things to take or, you know, whatever. So I hadn't spent any skill points at this point, but I'm like, I really want to progress it and just get to the next part. So I was level eight and it was a level 15 zone. These things were kicking my ass. So then I learned how to use the environment to my advantage and pull it off. Like these things can destroy the things that I was standing on, but as long as I played it correctly, I could beat them. And I did. They were really hard, but I didn't. But that's how I played Breath of the Wild, is that no matter the challenge, like I tried to use different methods of approach. And that's sort of how it happened. No matter the challenge, we can take it down (laughs) through teamwork and friendship. It's all about the love. Yeah, that's right. But yeah, no, I guess that's just my view on it, especially after playing Horizon now. Like that was, yeah, my takeaway. You're looking forward to Forbidden West? Oh yeah, yeah, I'll play it. Yeah. yeah, it looks great and it looks fun. And um, you know, Horizon Horizon Zero Dawn. I, I bought it because I want to finish it, and it was on Steam sale. And I'm like, I've been waiting for this, so I bought it. 
And, you know, my takeaway from it is Horizon Zero Dawn is also a good game. They're just both different in how they want you to approach them. Mm. Yeah. They're very much similar, definitely. They're definitely similar. They're just different on how you want them, want uh, how they want you to approach it. Yeah, well, mm. we can like both games, God forbid. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I just think, like, um, if, okay, um, final closing words, I guess, is that um, if you are one of those people that didn't like weapon degradation in uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, uh, I would like you... <laughs> Homework. Yeah, homework. I would like you to try it again, and I would like you to try and use the environment to your advantage. Because in uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, you could get away with a lot, a lot, a lot earlier using the environment to your advantage. Again, like I said, I was level eight, beat the dangerous monster zone that was like level 15. Or, I can't remember if it was 15 or 20. It was something like that. It was like something stupidly early, and I really shouldn't have done it like sort of that early because the, it, was a, it was a level gate. But I did. I beat it. Um, and... You know, I, I want you to take the the ideas in Horizon Zero Dawn, how they set that up with trapping and stuff like that as well. And I want you to use that same sort of execution in Breath of the Wild in like using how to utilize bombs or things with magnesis to kill enemies to get you weapons and see how those things can work because it definitely changes the game completely. You know, even magnesis, just picking up a metal box and dropping it on a cobbler's head or something like that is an effective way to kill enemies. You know, mm. you don't have to use a weapon. You've got heaps there to use. Yeah, just use environment all the time. You never have to worry about using your swords. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the environment is really good. Yeah. Like, there's plenty of tools. Yeah. yeah. And if you're like me, and judging from my year seven report card, you only do your homework sometimes. <laughs> so maybe some of, some of you out there will follow up on Bryce's assignment he's yeah. got out there. Hey, look, yeah, I'm just saying, like, there's, there's methods. There's methods. There's methods yeah. to enjoy both. Yeah, that's great, man. Hmm. I love that. That was very insightful. I'm just sitting back. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. Just the actual fundamental, how these games are set up and how they want you to engage with the combat. Yeah. Like, I, I never yeah. had any doubt that, like, Horizon Zero Dawn was a good game. I was perfectly aware it was a good game. It was just the timing of, like, okay, I need this in my life right now, so I'll play it. Yeah. I, I was the same way. Mm. All, all I want to do was play Switch in 2017. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Oh, well. Mm. Get to it eventually. All right. That's all right. So let's uh, jump into the House of Mario. Red Coin Releases. I'm changing the name, Bryce. Red Coin Releases. Ash, he pointed out, like, they're not really recommendations. I'm like, no, they're not really because we haven't played them. We want to showcase them, like maybe three games per week for the coming to the eShop to make you aware of them. So, you can, oh, that sounds interesting. I'll look into it. Mm. But really, they're not recommendations. Yes. So fair enough. Dead Didn't on. really think about it. Yep. Sorry about that. Thank you, Ash. Let's jump into it. So the first one I wanted to highlight is Doki Toki Literature Club oh, baby. Plus. So this was a free-to-play game on PC. Was it? I think this was 2017 it came out on PC on Steam. I'm pretty sure it's still free-to-play too. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, definitely still free-to-play. But I think it came out like was it four years ago at this point? Something like that, yeah. I don't know. I, played, quite I sure. played it when it was released. God, <laughs> what a game. What a game. So I actually, I actually downloaded it and never played it. So I'm going to play it on Switch. I sort of uh, know there's a... It's good to go into this game fresh. Yes, not, please. Not knowing exactly what's going to happen. Yes, so please. I take that as advice. It's very, to- very important you go into it fresh. Otherwise, it can, it loses all satisfactory meaning like mm. at all. 
I mean, even even the summary here. So it says, Welcome to a terrifying world of poetry and romance. Write poems for your crush and ease any mistakes along the way to ensure your perfect ending. Now it's uh, now's your time to discover why DDLC is one of the most beloved uh, psycho- psychological horror games of the decade. Yeah. And I know it's kind of like taking the piss out of um, what's happening in this game. I don't know exactly what's happening except for there's a... There's like a... It doesn't look like exactly what no, it is. No, it doesn't. So I'm looking forward to playing it. Um, what I found interesting about this game as far as um, sales and how the eShop works is that on PlayStation and Xbox, it's not on sale. On Switch, it is. It's 10% off. There's a launch sale going on. And uh, why I find that's interesting, there was, a, there was a tweet out from a developer circulating around Twitter. I won't go into it, but he was basically saying that the PlayStation Store and how PlayStation operates for developers, not not so developer-friendly. You can't... Uh, determine when you want sales and that and just seeing that Switch is the only platform with a sale I'm like hmm that's interesting because I think Nintendo gives way too much control to developers when they have a sale because they utilize it to the to their advantage to get their game out yeah. into the uh, special features but um, anyway so I'll be checking that one out next one I pulled up it sounded interesting it actually looks kind of fun it's a $6 game it's called Pigeon Fight and um the summary for it is, have you ever seen a group of pi- pigeons fighting for bread? As a player, you can become one of them. You can play in local multiplayer of up to eight plays. Good for parties. So there's some modes by looking. I'm assuming they're modes. They don't actually say they're modes, but they've got them listed here. So there's bread hunt. Bread hunt focuses on natural behavior of pigeons. Eating stuff. <laughs> eating stuff. <laughs> That's what it says. Uh, your main task is to eat given slice of bread. Pigeon, which will eat the most bread pieces wins. <laughs> okay. Just as, just as, yeah, we can. Got to read some of these a bit slowly just because it throws me off when it just says pigeon, then it says when after it. Just throws me off a bit. Uh, pigeon king kings. Kings. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm just trying to figure out what what that even means. Um, have you ever seen a pigeon with with bread on its neck? This mode is exactly about it. Your target at the start of the game is to wear a crown by pecking it. When you have the crown, when you have the crown, you have to run because other pigeons can take it off from you and wear it. You gain points by holding the crown. Okay. So it's like, yeah, you got to grab it, put it on, get some points. Cool. Capture the bread. Two teams with up to four pigeons each. The main task, steal bread crown from enemy's base. Bring it to yours. Question mark, question mark, profit. All right, capture the flag. Gotcha. Poop point. Like in Capture the Bread, there are two teams again. Uh, this time, your team has to poop a given point. Team which will poop the most will get a point. Obvious team with max points amount wins. Max points amount wins. Okay. Are we understanding the modes here, guys? I'm reading it word by word. I'm making sure it's not me. <laughs> Movie editor. Sandbox mode. You you can set your pigeons, set scenery, and do stuff. Play animations, change styles, and do and do your own theater. All right. So that's six bucks. It's 20% off. Go and get that. See, so it sounded interesting to actually read it. I'm like, oh. Don't know. I make sure I read it on the show so I get the live reaction from myself. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't, don't know about that. Uh, the next one up is Disguise Six, uh, six uh, Defiance of Destiny. 
um, exclusive JRPG on the Nintendo Switch. In the West, at least, it's on PlayStation 4 in Japan, but it did not come to PlayStation 4 in the West. So I, I believe this is a, a well-reviewed game. Um, I've never gotten to the Sky 6, oh, sorry, the Sky uh, series in general, but I've actually downloaded the demo, so I'll give my thoughts on that eventually when I get to it. Yep. I haven't got to it yet. I, I want to play the Monster Hunter uh, Stories 2 demo, but it's actually coming out at the end of this week, so I um, don't know. might be running out of time for that one until the full game comes out. But Anyway, so... They're the recommendations for this week. Pretty light week. Um, the highlight would be Doki Doki Literature Club. It's the ch- it's one of the cheaper games on there. And uh, go and get it while it's on sale. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, if if the free one is still on PC, that's also an option. I'm not really sure if it is. Um, it, I, don't, I don't know what plus adds. I'd like to know. Uh, well, okay, I'll let you know. So I just didn't read it because I didn't want to add more to what people think it might be. Hold on, I'll I'll look at it. You've got it there. Yeah, just just to make sure it doesn't spoil anything. It's basically got some more like side stories for some of the characters. Um, um, yeah, six new side stories about friendship and literature, totaling hours of new content. One hundred plus unlockable images, including game art, wallpapers, never before seen concepts. Twenty six total music tracks, including thirteen all new unlockable songs by Nikki Kayla, plus special guest Jason Hayes and Azuria Sky. Uh, a built-in DDLC music player to unwind with your favourite songs in a custom playlist and high-fidelity visual upgrade with all-new artwork in full HD. So adds a lot. It does. And for 16 bucks, guys, that's good. Mm, I'll, 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 I'll be honest. Um, like, I'm I'm considering this myself now. I might even grab it tomorrow um, simply because of the new content. Um, DDLC is mad. Like... Um, I've, I never really cared about visual novels all that much before, mm. but this one is worth a play if you can deal with the horror, if you can deal with horror genre, um, because it will send you through many twists and turns. I will give, yeah. I'll, I'll give you that much. Um, if, if it makes a, enjoy, like, if honestly, it, if it makes an emotional <laughs> impact on me. It fucking whoa! It will. Well, would you like to do an episode on it? Put it up as a bonus episode one day. Yeah, yeah. Is it worth doing it for that? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. I, I would oh. like to talk to it. You know what? I would almost like to see you play it through. It's not all that long, man. Like it, it is. It I was going to ask how how long can you expect? It, it's about it? a three to five hour experience, like at the absolute most, unless you want to go for the good ending, which requires a lot of background. But what you really need to do is just... I'll, I'll just do a straightforward do the playthrough. Do the straightforward and then talk about it because, um, you know, it is it is quite quite a thing. It is, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Like, I, I heard about it initially. I'm like, oh, I downloaded it on Steam and I would almost I never say, got to it. I would almost say if you wanted to do it, stream it and get your reaction that way. Okay. I'll, I don't... Like, I'm, because I'm pretty sure it's allowed. Like, it'd have to be allowed. Yeah, people stream it. They do it on YouTube, so it should be streamable. I'll just double check on that. I will double check on that. Um, but yeah, to to get the genuine reaction, like honestly, yeah, um, I would watch. I would watch that stream hundred <laughs> percent. <laughs> because yeah, you're uh, gonna see some pretty crazy stuff. Um, yeah, uh, sixteen bucks. I for some reason I thought it was worth. Like they were charging more than that for it. No, even when the sales are over, it's only eighteen dollars and seventy five cents. Man, so. that's that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I would jump on that. 
yeah, no, looking forward to playing it. Get my head screwed up for a week. There's been a few games. There's only been a couple of games in my life that have really messed with my head for a few days. Been The Last of Us and uh, The Walking Dead. They're the two games where I'm like, whoa. <laughs> and I'm thinking about it for a while. So, I don't know. Yeah, this one will definitely make you think for a while. Have fun. <laughs> just like completely like ruins your life. Just <laughs> Oh, look, man. Like I said, if, if you get the chance one day and if you, if you do pick it up, get the chance one day, stream it, stream it. I, I recommend it All because right. you'll get some of the most genuine reactions you'll ever see in your life. Trust me. All right. I'll probably pick it up and stream it sometime this week. That sounds like a good plan. Right. You should do that. We'll do. We'll do. Cool. Yeah. All right. Before we end the episode, Bryce, is there anything else we'd like to say? Uh, I think we head off. Right. Yeah. We'll think about doing a Reggie's Rec Room again, but we talked a lot about Zelda, so that's pretty much equivalent of yep. what that is. So, cool. Poor Reggie. Yeah, poor Reggie. Well, we won't see him this week. See you, mate. Mm, sorry, man. Too bad. Sorry, man. All right, guys. He's had the like glasses of whiskey sitting there for the last like three weeks. He's like, well, who's going to fill up my freaking whiskey? <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, guys. Thank you very much for listening to The House of Murray, episode 196. If you enjoyed the show, you can support us by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. Helps the algorithms, helps us make us feel better, and we'll also read the review on the show. So that's always good fun. Unless you, If you leave anything up under a five-star, though, we'll ignore it. Don't you worry about that. Unless it's funny. Actually, no, I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging stuff here. Just five stars, please, for goodness sakes. Uh, if you'd like to follow us on Twitter to keep updated with the show and the rest of our shenanigans, you can follow me at iDruby, you can follow Bryce at IVRevan, and you can follow the show at The House of Mario, and you'll be updated about every new episode coming out there on Twitter. Uh, Discord, we have a Discord community. We're really trying to get people in there, having fun, um, talking Nintendo games. Yeah, man. Got channels for PlayStation, Xbox, all that type of thing as well. Um, organizing community nights in there. Did a Mario Golf one a week or so ago. Had mm-hmm. a lot of fun doing that. We'll be doing that with a lot more games in the future. So yep. get on in there. And uh, of course, if you got to this point of the episode, go to the House of Mario Discord, go to the general tra- chat and leave the hashtag, Bryce is such a good boy. Oh. Repeat, hashtag, Bryce is such a good boy in the general chat. And the first person to post that Excluding the people from... <laughs> Actually, no, I can't do that. I can't do it when I'm live on. <laughs> no, no, you cannot. I was going to say the first person to post it will get it. I'll, I'll buy them a House of Murray t-shirt, but it's, it's really cheating when it's live streamed. Hmm. But maybe the people listening to it live, they should be rewarded. You know what I mean? So bugger it. I'll buy the first person to leave the hashtag, Bryce is such a good boy, in the House of Murray Discord chat. I'll buy him a House of Murray t-shirt. All right, there you go. Let's see how quick that was. Yeah. Dun, 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 um, So, and of course, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash idruby. Helps uh, pay for the podcast fees and all that type of fun stuff, which no one likes to talk about. And I'd love to thank our Patreon producers, <laughs> DJ, Sam Hay, and Alex Harding. <laughs> thank you, Wacko Jacko. You are getting a House of Mario t-shirt, my friend. I'm sorry. Anyone listening to this on pod- podcast services? It's a no-go. Um Wow, that was quick. That was quick. I love it. Well done. So I think I mumbled the last bit, but thank you very much for our Patreon producers, DJ, Sam Hay, and Alex Harding. Really appreciate it, guys. So, Bryce, that brings us to the end. And the doors to the House of Mario are closed. We'll catch you later. Bye.